Uh, I'm Rola Tomasi. I'm the author of five books. They are the Rational Mail series of books. Uh, the first one was published in 2013. And the most recent one was last year. Uh, it was the, the Player's Handbook, which is volume five. And that was the end of the series, basically. Uh, I've got some other, it does, that's not all the books I'm writing. I've got plenty more of me, but uh, that's the end of the series anyways. So there's uh, there's five of them. There's the first one, which everyone refers to as sort of like the Bible of the Manosphere, the Bible of the Red Pill right now. Right. And that's just the rational male. And then there is uh, uh, preventive medicine, the rational male preventive medicine. Uh, uh, positive masculinity and then religion and then the player's handbook is number five right now so and each one has their own little niche the uh if, in case people I, I get this question all the time so i'll just uh, i'll just answer it right now uh a lot of people want to ask me like what's the what's the reading order you know as if i, I gotta read one after the other um no always start with the first one and then uh move on from there like depending on what your next interest is so I kind of look at like the the first book is like the rule set and then like the other ones are sort of supplemental to it. So religion is sort of like the confluence of, you know, intersexual dynamics and red pill, um, you know, praxeology and religion, because I was getting a lot of guys asking me about like, you know, well, I'm a, I'm a Muslim or I'm a Christian or whatever, and I don't believe in premarital sex, but this all this stuff sounds right. Um, what's going on? So that was what that was about. Preventive medicine is really a timeline for guys to sort of understand what they can expect from women at various stages of their maturity. Uh, I, I run from about 15 all the way to 50. And uh, then positive masculinity is a uh, it's a it's a statement on the modern affairs of masculinity right now, which, of course, is a hot topic all of a sudden. But uh, the first about two thirds of that book is about parenting, like red pill parenting. Because I was getting a lot of guys who had read my first book and then they were asking me, like, Rolo, when should I give my son your book so he can, you know, uh, avoid all the pitfalls that I got into? And I'm like, okay, well, don't. I explain why you shouldn't do that <laughs> in the third book. Uh, but then again, I, I, you know, when I sort of like outline things, I don't really give, I'm not, I don't consider myself an influencer. Um, I'm really more of just sort of an educator, I guess. Maybe that's better. Um, I'm, if you probably saw me on Dr. Phil recently, I was, I was just I doing Dr. Phil. Um, and uh, one of the things I, I said on there, and I say quite often actually, is that uh, I'm not in the business of making men better men. I'm in the business of helping men become better men themselves, right? So to, to, for them to become the best versions of themselves, I guess. I hate using that term because it's, it's so schmaltzy and so like self-helpy. But it's, uh, I want, I'm, I'm not in the business of making better men. I'm in the business of men making themselves better men with the information, the education that I'm able to provide. So. Right. You're, you're just giving them the info on how to start the fire. Yeah. Right. I mean, because everybody I've, I found that that's the best approach because I have so many guys and they all have different stories and they all have different issues and they all have different, you know, problems to solve for themselves. And it's like, this, it's not one size fits all. So uh, it's sort of like whatever your particular state is, because I've talked to guys as young as you. <laughs> and then I talk to like, I, I do counseling for Robert Kiyosaki, who is 75 years old, 75 years old right now. So wow. uh, it's it run, it's been all, all over the world. So it's not just the United States, it's, you know, international. So like, I've got, I got people I'm really worried about in Turkey right now. 
Uh, and then I've got, uh, I've got a big following, how this happened, but I have a big following in Kenya. <laughs> um, and then, uh, then South America, Brazil, um, uh, India. Portuguese, yeah, India, I have actually I have a huge following in India. Um, a little bit of Japan, certainly down in Australia, Canada, of course. I mean, the United States is like the main, you know, audience, I think, but it's all, it's worldwide. So. And by the way, it's not just it's not just men it's also women as well because they want to understand like like it, it's not just limited to just you know the rational male right well people ask me like when, when are you going to write a rational female i'm like well idiot it's right there in the book like just read the, <laughs> you don't need a rational female or woman or whatever if you read the damn book you'll understand uh, because it's about you too but uh i have um I have a, a pretty strong following, I think, uh, of mothers actually with sons. It's usually mothers with sons who follow me and and ask me questions and are, are really benefiting from this as well because they sort of apply the education, I guess, to to their sons. That's good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, I found out about you from originally Coach Corey Wayne because Coach Corey Wayne was the first <laughs> guy that actually brought me into learning learning and understanding about women mm -hmm. and then I think uh, a few stepping stones occurred where I started to follow your work and a few other guys I did an interview with Sterling Cooper mm -hmm. Justin pretty recently um, but Thomas was the one who actually found me first mm -hmm. on TikTok or something and he started commenting on my posts and then uh I saw him while I was in doing a live stream with Sterling in like the chat section. And now it turns out he, he manages your, your social media, right? Oh, yeah. 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 He, um, well, he manages my clips channel. Okay. I manage my social media. <laughs> okay. Everything other than Tom doing my clips, I'm pretty much a one man show and I've been a one man show for a long time. So I, I always find it kind of comical when I get these emails from like, like the producers of Dr. Phil and they're, we would very much like to talk to Rolo, uh, you know, like assuming like my email address is like my people. I'm like, well, yeah. you address me right here. <laughs> so I've been, I've been a one man show for a while now. And it's, uh, I really probably could do with like a, a, a personal assistant or somebody to help me with that at this stage. But, uh, uh, it's difficult. It's, it's hard to find people that I trust. I mean, Tom's certainly one that I trust. Um, and it's not even so much a trust issue thing. It's just knowing the niche and knowing what I do. So like right. I have, like whenever I do, whenever I get an editor for my book, people always ask me like, well, how come it's take so long? Why, you know, why, why is your book so poorly edited? And, and all, I'm like, well, because it's hard to find people who know this niche. So it's right. one thing to have a proofreader and somebody to go and, uh, you know, like correct your spelling, I guess. But it's another thing to like sort of put it in front of sort of a newbie who doesn't know anything about the red pill of the manosphere. And then they are either appalled by it or they become like really evangelical and zealous about it. And so well, in both cases, it's kind of worrisome. <laughs> so out of your five books, like which one do you think would be the easiest for like an average simp on the street? If you just handed them a book, which do you think would be the best for them? Because I feel like if you handed your book, The Rational Mail, to some average dude, a lot of them be like, what the fuck is this? I don't understand. Yeah. Well, the first book, you got to remember the history behind the first book. And um, the, the, the history is this, is that uh, a lot of the material that is in that book came from blog posts from my, my blog, The Rational Mail. Now, those blog posts were really essays that I put together that were from 
uh, longer threads for uh, form threads from the SoSwabs thread, uh, Altfast Seduction, and some other uh, some other like Seduction community um, uh, forums of the time. Mostly SoSwab though, because that was my main form at that time. And so forums, uh, <laughs> I don't know how old you are, but yeah, like forums are like ancient. I've never, yeah, like it's like older. It's like I'm I'm comparing to like uh, Reddit, I guess. Yeah. Okay. So Reddit, yeah, Reddit is sort of like the where where all forums sort of like came to die, I guess. <laughs> um, but uh, there used to be forums. Like, well, there still are today. I mean, SoSwab is still there. So like SoSwab is over 20 years old. I think it's like 22 years old now. And um, it's a, it was a seduction community uh, forum for a very long time. And then we started actually getting into some more serious topics. And so it sort of evolved from there. And the essays that became chapters in my first book were all derived from conversations from like 10, 12 years of conversations in the forums. So that's, it's not like it's something I just like sort of pulled out of my ass and we just threw into a book or something like that. I mean, it took 10 years to write, well, at least that, maybe 12 really, to write the Rational Mail because I published it October 1st, uh, 2013. And the blog had only been out from 2011. So my blog's only two years old before my, my, uh, my first book comes out. But the first book was really based on the essays. And then the reason I put that book together was because I had people saying, people will take you seriously if you have a book. <laughs> because you know, otherwise you're just this blogger guy. Who, know, who, who knows who this Rolo Tomasi character is, right? Yeah, um, yeah. So I put it together and, uh, yeah, and I thought at the time it was going to be the only book I would ever write. And I, that's why people like complain about the font size. And I know, I know. <laughs> and the grammar and the syntax, which is all being corrected for the 10th anniversary edition, which is coming out this year. Awesome. But, um, I, I get that. It's really kind of sometimes it's dense. It's hard for people like people who get into it. Once they start reading it, there's there's the guys who just can't put it down because they the most common response to the first book is that guys say, I always knew this stuff, but I never was able to put it into words. And so I have a way of like articulating what they kind of sense or they kind of see going on around them all the time. So um, really, that's was the original appeal of the book. And then it sort of has built into, uh, you know, it's really matured into something else. And um, again, then I like I said, I didn't think I would be writing a second book, much less a fifth. So uh, then it started snowballing and becoming, you know, a, a bigger, a bigger deal than I ever thought it would be. And it's the go-to source. It's it's the research and development department for the Manosphere. Right uh, my, myself and and uh, Ryan Stone is a uh, one of my partners on um, on the Rule Zero uh, panel show. Uh, that's basically that's what we are. We're the research and development department for the for the Manosphere, more or less. I see a lot and of people who started channels off of your book too. Oh yeah, and yeah. I mean, a lot of people do that. They'll launch channels. Everyone. They either love me. Like, there's two ways to launch a successful master channel. You go, fuck that Rolo guy, or I, Rolo's right. I love it. You saved my life. That those, that's how you start a channel. Yeah. It guaranteed. I mean, it'll get you off to a good start, anyways. But uh, I, I understand that the the first book is rather dense. I get it. Uh, I used a lot of ten dollar words because I felt like I had to. And then I don't write to an audience. <laughs> Clearly, not in 2013. Um, but I don't write what I think people want to hear. I write what I think they need to hear or what I think needs to be expressed. And I really felt like at the time there was no book 
that I wanted to read at like in the red pill space. So there was like Neil Strauss, the game, but the game was like really entertainment. I mean, it was educational, I guess, to some degree, but it wasn't like, I, I hated it because like the way that they did that, the layout and they did the whole presentation of the book, they made it look like a Bible and they put this little ribbon in there and it's, you know, gold leafed on the edges of it. And it looks like an actual Bible and you open it up and there's like freaking cartoons in it. And like, you know, that's like a graphic novel at the beginning of every damn chapter. And I'm just like, this isn't, it wasn't the book I wanted to read. So I wrote the book I wanted to read. And uh, apparently a lot of other people do too. And it's been instrumental in really saving the lives. I mean, and I mean that literally saving the lives of like countless, I don't care, millions, hundreds of thousands, I don't know, of, of men all over the world for the last 10, well, soon to coming up on 10 years now. So um, I think people have, once people start getting into it, then they can't put it down. It's like the getting into a part. That's the, that's the hard part, especially this generation. This generation of men don't read. They listen to books. They don't, they don't read. So in fact, I just, somebody sent me this. Um, I, I think it was on, I got it as a, on my Instagram DM. Somebody sent me this graph of the topics that men and women read. And, you know, like guys tend to read philosophy more than, <laughs> more than women. Yeah, okay. So that's like the one category where men sort of outpace women. And then like pretty much every single category that there is for like literature, the most common, you know, the most popular ones, it's just women. Women, women. Read, read those books, right? Yeah. And so most guys, they listen to my books. So I have to sort of accommodate, uh, you know, a, a different generation that doesn't simply just doesn't either have the time or doesn't have the patience or whatever to to read a, a book that's 300 pages, right? I Even think that's help them out. <laughs> yeah, I think that's why my podcast blew up because I would refer so many dudes because I started on TikTok giving advice to to guys on mm -hmm. pickup, dating, just understanding the basics of women, mm -hmm. um, just under, understanding like what makes you a simp, what makes you an alpha male, right? Mm -hmm. And so many dudes were like, "Oh, where'd you learn this stuff? Where'd you learn this stuff?" And I'm like, "Dude, Corey Wayne, just read the book. How to be through some man. Read it. Just read it." And no mm -hmm. one, none of them wanted to read it. They're like, "Oh, this guy looks old." This guy doesn't know what he's talking about. Well, I'm like, <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> whatever. So I started a podcast and then the podcast is what really blew up. A lot of dudes start to follow the podcast. A lot of dudes start to listen to it like religiously as well. Um, mm. So I noticed that as well as like no one, a lot of young dudes nowadays, they just, they're so, their attention span is so little. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, yeah, we live in the, I, I've, I made this point in i think it was a fourth book we live in uh the tldr generation too long didn't read and yeah. like i even i haven't struggled with this with uh with my my co-host uh mike sartain on um on uh, access vegas we do a, a podcast uh, it's every other week in las vegas and we you know we have you know nothing but the most beautiful women in the world in the world right <laughs> and so we have these conversations but uh but they're all vegas girls um, but no, I get this from like, even, even Mike, uh, he's like, I don't, he doesn't read books. I'm like, have you read my book? He's like, no, I listened to it. I'm like, I did. Oh, really? I listened to it. I listened to it as well. I listened to it. Right. And he's like, he's like, and I listened to it at like his, his suggestion is like, listen to books. Like you can get through like 20 books a year. If you listen to books and you like listen to them at like three times speed or what like you train yourself like to listen to books at like a higher speed. He says you'll pay more attention to it. I don't know. I, I think it kind of depends on the material. Like I couldn't listen I think, to, a, I wouldn't want to listen to a fiction book at like 
five times speed. I would listen no. to it one times speed. But if it's something that's informational, then you might have a case. Right? Yeah, you got to read it multiple times. I think I'm, I'm definitely going to listen to your book multiple times and read it multiple times. Mm -hmm. um i think that's that's it's pretty important i would say this if, if you're a young guy and it again it kind of depends on what what your situation is like because a lot of guys like i i encounter i don't know how, how old are you anyways I'm, I'm 19 you're 19 okay so i i encounter that's funny i um there used to be a uh, uh on the social forum we have the sub forums right and there was like the high school forum so we had like kids as young as like 15 all the way up to 18 and they have, they have some very interesting questions i learned a lot from those guys quite honestly yeah. it's kind of like listening to the you're the black belt and sometimes you can learn things from the white belt because they'll think of something that's really unorthodox and you go hmm, i hadn't thought about it that way so right um so i i never i i try never to sort of like a put anyone down for like being young like i like people go and throw like sneako at me all the time and i'm like well i you know i i'm sure he has some good points i would like to listen to him because maybe there's something I, even i could learn from sneako so uh but uh the i think the the very short attention span that that particularly gener generation z and maybe the latter half of the millennials uh is that they it, you know ain't nobody got time for that and they're always moving on to the next thing. That's why TikTok is like, I hate TikTok, but TikTok is like, I have a love hate relationship with like TikTok and Same. Instagram Same. Reels and YouTube Shorts. It's like, it's one minute. You have one minute. Uh, do you remember Vines? Do you remember the old? The yeah. Old yeah. 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 Vine, Vines was funny to me because it used to be like, you had to be as funny and engaging and as entertaining as you possibly could be. And like as quick as you could be on a vine. Right. And that's really kind of like where the progression from all that shit went from, but it was funny when it first came out. Now you're kind of like, Jesus, you know, like I, you look at a guy like Andrew Tate or, and or even Sterling Cooper or myself or, or, you know, uh, uh, Justin Waller, whoever, whoever you like follow and you look at their, their TikToks or you look at their reels or whatever. That's how most people find out, find find those guys and so they pick up on the like a 45 second maybe a minute right for like 45 seconds right and you better make your statement in 45 seconds and for people to want to go what else has this guy got right yeah or else it's like fuck you it's like this rage inducing you know like video or whatever or else it's like mm, you know <laughs> and then they're moving and then they whip on to the next one and nobody like searches out this stuff it just like shows up in their feed so right um so when uh when you have your your chance to sort of give your elevator pitch and an elevator pitch should be like three minutes but you got 45 seconds so yeah um, a lot of people will pick up on this and they will form an opinion of you with a 45 second buzz clip that they see on like TikTok, and that's kind of i think a, a damn shame especially for people who have been doing what i've been doing i've been doing this for like 20 years now and again i'm five books in I really research my stuff. I'm really on top of my game. I, I have to get, there's no elevator pitch, I guess, for the red pill. So right. when people, I, and I get this constantly, people ask me like, what's that? What is the red pill, Rolo? And the best I can say is like, it's intersexual dynamics. It's a praxeology that is related to intersexual dynamics uh, and understanding the nature the the evolutionary bias, evolutionary psychologies, natures of men and women and how they interact with one. I know that's the best way I can put it, but there's so much more to it than just that, because I think a lot of people either think of it as like sort of a hate move it, movement or it's political or it's right wing or it's alt right this. It's like, no, 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 no. no there's no. simps. There's still simps who are right wings like 
Oh, very much so. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You're going to see just how much coming up in probably the next 18 months, actually. (laughs) But uh, yeah, I have. It's hard for me to say like, okay, uh, go read this book or go read that book. I kind of think that the my most recent book would probably be the most appealing to guys like, say, the 18 to 24 demographic, um, simply because it gives quick hit uh like how to well not how to but like why this works like why why do these why do pickup artists say use a neg hit right or peacocking or any of this other stuff and i'm not a pua but i will tell you why those guys came to the conclusions that they did and why it makes sense because that's really the fifth book was you know the whole thing was written about was it seems like a guy like Andrew Tate or a guy like mystery or a guy like even Corey Wayne, right? Anybody who's like sort of pitching game that they, they listen to it and they think it's absolutely ridiculous. That would never work on a girl. Now, you know, no girl with a self-respect, whatever would, you know, fall for that. Right. But that's why we're still talking about it after 22 years. You know, It's like, if it didn't work, we wouldn't be, it would, we would have just swept it away. It would have fallen down a memory hole or something. Right. But, uh, I get a lot of people asking me like, why, uh, why certain things, well, how did you come to the conclusion of like war brides, which is a, a something from the first book or um, alpha widows. And I'm sick to death of listening to people who have just sort of come into this space, just half-assed and they start mouthing off or, you know, sort of parroting what I've said in the past. Some of the girls that have been recently blown well, up. Women, women are the most egregious right now because they're really just there to sort of entertain and sort of, you know, like they're building channels they're just brands. They're all brand more or less, but it's not just them though. It's also guys that come into this space. And their come ups, you know, they want to be the next Andrew Tate. Well, they don't understand that a lot of the stuff that Andrew Tate was has been sort of talking about in his like 30 second, 45 second buzz clips is straight out of the rational male. It's straight out of like hell, half of it's out of preventive medicine. <laughs> uh, and they don't understand that. I've, I've known Andrew since 2016, 2017. Yeah, uh, you did an interview with him. Oh, yeah. You did an interview I, with him. And they took it down, right? On YouTube, no, I it. it's a, well. No, I, I took it down off of YouTube. It's still up on uh, on my Odyssey. It's archived okay. on my Odyssey. I did that back in August because I was getting, um, I was doing some, uh, I guess, analysis videos of what was going on when he got canceled back in August, and then mm-hmm. I started getting like hate speech strikes, and and I started, lo- I started having like YouTube pull down like old videos too. So I'm like, okay, so I'm gonna take them off of YouTube, but I, they're still archived on on Odyssey. I just didn't want to have them be something that sort of YouTube could like, like build up against me to tear down my, to take down. I've, I mean, I've been on for a long time. I don't want to lose my channel at this point, but uh, it's still, they're still, they're still archived on Odyssey and you can go find them. Is that like Rumble? It's yeah, it is. It's a Rumble is, uh, it's kind of a come up, but Odyssey has been around for a long time. And I mirror, I mirror all of my live streams to Odyssey and to Rumble right now. So if, if it gets pulled off of YouTube, you can go find it on those two. That's good. Nice. Yeah, right. It's just a, it's just an insurance policy, basically. And I've that's all I've really looked at it as. I, my main, you know, chant, my main output is from YouTube because it's where everybody goes. So, um, but yeah, I, they don't understand that the, 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 they don't understand the history, like how long I've been doing. It. They just think I'm just some old dude that just kind of wandered into the. Oh, what's in the manosphere here? And they, that's, no, man, I've been at this for a very long time. <laughs> Um, and so they don't under, really understand like the history of it. Like you're 19 years old. So like when I, when I put out the rationale, you were nine. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. 
Yeah. So, so I, I always, I, I love it when guys, especially even guys in their thirties, like they'll be like, Hey man, what's this Rolo guy? He doesn't know what he's talking about. Fuck this guy. I'm like, okay, how old are you? Uh, 31. Uh, yeah. Well, when I got into this, you were 11. You were watching Jimmy Neutron and Fairly Odd Parents and Playhouse Disney when I was writing about this stuff. And again, maybe that's dating myself and, you know, oh, he's an ancient old man. I'm like, oh, no, I've just been interested in this and doing this. That's, like, that's not like that's all I've ever done for the last 20 some odd years. But uh, anyways, it's, it, I, I think that because the Manosphere has increased in popularity really over the last, I think, like two or so years, maybe three years. Uh, a lot of there's a lot of people who kind of come in and they just mouth and parrot the same stuff that I've been talking about really, I mean, publicly anyways, since maybe 2013, 2014. So. Right. And do they give you credit at least or credit to Um, no, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I, I, but I, 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 again, that's not, uh, I'm not like really looking for, for, uh, my accolades or anything like that. Or even I, I've, I've gotten to the point where I've realized or sort of like, I have to approach the, I have to approach what I do right now from the perspective that the red pill really should be like open source. Like it's open source code. It's like a code, right? It's open source code. And so people can take mm -hmm. that and they can develop other applications or whatever the hell they, where their brands are. And I understand that. Fine. Go do that. If there's nothing, there's no way I can really like be the gatekeeper of it anyways. So I'm like, whether, what, you know, like when I listen to like say Myron and fresh and Myron will talk about, um, he'll, he'll mention something that's like directly out of my book. I don't quibble about it because I know he like, you know, fronts my book and I've been on the show God knows how many times. Um, so I don't really worry about it, but sometimes, you know, if I'm in the middle of a show, I might remind, you know, my viewers or whoever that, you know, this is where it came from. But um, I, it's not so much the, I, I really don't care too much about accolades. I was, I was just recently talking about this. I would rather have guys give me a testimony or, or like tell me how they used the information in the book or like something that I said or some, some, I don't know, maybe they met me somewhere. They heard something that really benefited their lives and it changed their lives. And they started to build something new as a result of reading one of the books. That to me is better than anyone saying, well, Rolo said this. I don't, I would rather people would show me like what they built with the education and the equipment that I've sort of given them over the years. That's more flattering, I guess, to me than anyone like citing me as a source or something like that, which I mean, it's nice, but well, yeah, your audience is gonna, anyone who hears what those other people say and they listen to you, they're like, Oh, it came from this guy. As long as they get their dates, right. But that's the one mm -hmm. thing that's interesting is like a lot of people there, there isn't like a date with everything, everything. So like one thing mm -hmm. I noticed as well is every single time I make a video or repost a video from two years ago that I made, everyone's like, Oh, you're trying to become Andrew next Andrew, or you're mm -hmm. trying to act like Andrew. It's like, I made this two years ago before None of you guys knew who Andrew was. Like when I first started uh, YouTube or I started making videos, um, that's when I actually started to find all of you guys. That's when I actually started to find more dudes like me. It was kind of interesting. I was like, oh, mm -hmm. there's other guys who actually like this stuff and are actually already talking about it. So that's mm -hmm. when I started to discover Andrew Tate. I remember I think like a month or two months into uh, creating my podcast, I, I saw a video of Andrew and his brother Tristan talking online. And I showed my brother because we, we're the ones who started the podcast together. I'm like, dude, they're just like us. They're just like way older. They're way ahead of us, though. And so we, we started um, uh, like, yeah, just watching their videos together like consistently. Two, you've only been at it for like, what, two years, right? Yeah. So 
Like when I, <laughs> when Kevin Samuels was a big deal, like I, again, it's, it's open source. Like I know that there was like some quibbling between like uh, uh, Kevin Samuels and, and Myron and Fresh, but like when I'm like, people will send me videos or sound clips or, or whatever from, from Kevin Samuels. And he's using terms like war brides, or he's using terms like alpha widow, or he's using terms that are directly from my book. And so then what happens is I'll go and do uh, a show and I'll mention the same things. And so what will happen is people in the chat or people in the comments will go, you stole that from Kevin Samuel. I'm like, Jesus Christ. It's like, I've been doing this so long. I get accused of plagiarizing myself. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, this guy Rolo, he said something like before you, I'm like, dude, can you like look at the name of the stream (laughs) before you start mouthing off that again, too long. Didn't read. It's that, you know, like they ain't got time for that kind of thing. But right. I've got I've done this for so long right now. Like when I see uh, like, for instance, when when Pearl starts mouthing off about something, uh, it, she'll be on like like Vice or she'll be on somebody else's podcast or she'll start talking about this stuff. And a lot of times she's just lifting my material, which is lifted third party from Myron. So she'll go and look at Myron's thing. Uh, I memorize whatever she has to write down whatever she has to. And so when she's on an interview or something and people put her on the spot, she knows just enough to parrot back a response. But if you press her on that, she doesn't know anything. She has no background in it. So she'd just be like, huh, that's what I heard on my show. Yes. So she's not an innovator. She's just a fast follower is all she is. And she's a facilitator and and an entertainer. So when she's like hitting me up to, uh, to teach, you know, when she wants to pay me to teach her how to be red pill, I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that. First of all, you don't have to pay me. It's all free. <laughs> yeah. Get my book or go watch anything. It's, it's all free anyway. So don't, uh, God forbid you pay me anything for it. But the other thing is, uh, it's like, if you don't have the interest, or the, or, you know, the, the presence of mind to actually think, Hey, maybe I should go and do a little bit of reading and research and like educate myself. Well, if that's not you, then I'll, anything I tell you is not going to make you that much better. So when I see stuff like that and then people start popping off about like uh, principles and things out of like straight out of my book or if they, if we said, what is it? Uh, you know, women uh, would rather uh, would break rules for alphas and they make rules for betas, right? That's all these maxims, right? I'm, I'm actually working on a book of maxims right now and just to explain what they are. And the reason I'm doing that is because it's in the interest of accuracy. <laughs> because I don't care if you're you're the next come up in the red pill of the manosphere, just please, for Christ's sake, be accurate with what you're talking about and know what you're talking about. So when some like some blue haired freak like destiny presses you on it, you'll know what to say after the, the first thing you think is the only comeback, right? You have to know the stuff and you have to know the principles. So if you're going to say, you know, women break rules for alphas and they make rules for betas, you better understand the underlying like thought and the lot, like do the work, right? You have to understand the answer is women break rules for alphas and they make rules for betas. Okay. Well, that's, if this, if you think of that as like a, a, a trigonometry question, or, you know, like a, a problem or a calculus problem. It's not enough to get the answer right. You have to show your work. How did you come to getting that answer correct? So, right. so it's not enough to just say, well, you know, you could get copy the answer out. You can use a calculator, right? You could. There's lots of ways to cheat to get to, to a right answer, but you just that doesn't mean you know how to get to that right answer. And that's what that's why I 
I don't have a problem with, say, Pearl per se or, or any of these other guys per se. I just want them to be able to do the math equation <laughs> that is, you know, the red pill part of it so that when they get to the correct answer, they can show their work. None of them can show their work. They're very right, people, they, they very people in, this, in this sphere that can actually show their work. Right. They haven't experienced or like lived it like a woman can't live in a man's mm -hmm. shoes. So she did, she's, she's speaking out of maybe other people's experience, but it's never out of her first person seeing it with mm -hmm. her own two eyes mm -hmm. experience dealing with a heartbreak from another woman. Like, so that's mm -hmm. one thing I think uh, I also saw from Corey Wayne is I never saw Corey um, go out and pick up chicks. I never saw him like making vlogs or doing stuff. And mm -hmm. so that inspired me to be like, all right, cool. I know his stuff works because I applied it to my life. But now I want to show others that I actually live it as well. So that's why yeah. I started making vlogs, going out there mm -hmm. and sharing like my story, um, my experiences with women. Because, mm -hmm. yeah, I've gone through a bunch of heartbreaks. Um, yeah, I, I had learned the hard way with everything. And then reading these books, it kind of just helped me understand, oh, that's why that happened. But mm -hmm. I think a lot of people are not experiencing girls like maybe yeah they've never even had their heart broken that's one thing and i noticed is that the, like so here's the here's how i look at it okay the red pill is the theory it's the hypothesis it's like let's this it's the lab work right whereas game pick up whatever you want to i don't even know well, your social skills right whatever we're calling it right now that, that's the practice that's the experience the field work so game and then red pill those are two mutually exclusive things because there's guys who are very good at game and they suck when it comes to understanding game they just know how to drive the car they or the how to turn the tv on that's all they have, know how to do they don't know how the tv was built they don't know how the engine of the car is built they just know that when they put the key in the ignition and they press gas and it goes and they're good drivers but they couldn't rebuild the car if they wanted to so there is the, hypo the hypothetical side, the the theory side, which everybody thinks that that's all I'm about, right? He's just all theory. Right. Okay, but I'm also about practice too because I'm in the field. I'm watching these guys do it. Now, am I actually going out there and say, oh, well, I'm going to take notes and do this whole thing? Even if I was doing that, nobody would take me legitimately anyways. But if you go and you put a guy like Mike Sartain out there, or you put Andrew Tate, or you put people who we, you know, perceptually we think should have the receipts and they're, they're like, they got a new chick. I, I would say right now, there's only one guy in the sphere right now who consistently shows new receipts, like weekly, and that is Mike Sartain. Mike can show you receipts and you can like, go look at his Instagram channel. Go look right now and you will see his receipts. I don't see that coming from Alex from Playing With Fire. I don't see that from Corey Wayne. I don't see that from anyone. So when people come at me and they go, well, Roll is just all theory and he doesn't know what he's talking about. Oh, he's, you know, the, the game's changed since then. I'm like, well, that's never been what I've been about anyways. But if that's your criteria for legitimacy, I'm going to compare you, Mr. Game Enthusiast, <laughs> To Mike Sartain. <laughs> that's what I'm going to do. So I've been, I'm aware of that. And that's why I work with Mike. And that's why we have Access Vegas. And that's why we're kind of like doing, a, I'm, I'm doing more than just like sitting around and writing books now. So I'm, I'm more of a personality. I'll get, now I can go on Dr. Phil, right? Um, so when I'm doing like, say, uh, Mike's, uh, what is it, Men of Action, his group, his, his private group, right? It's, it's hands-on it's field work that's the that's the practice side of it i'm the theory side of it that's why mike and i work really well together now mike knows his theory too he's very good at, he's very very smart very intellectual but he's also much more hands-on so 
I look at Mike as sort of like the practice and I'm the theory. And so there's red pill and there's game and each one is incomplete without the other. So you can't just have theory and just read books and never do anything and just jerk off all the time. I'd, so you could do that. It'd be red, very much red pill, but it's, what is it doing for you? Unless you're actually using it and putting it into practice and make and making a better life for you yourself as a result of that education and that equipment, whatever, then you're just like this, you know, the absent-minded professor, right? <laughs> you know, just book smarts, but you don't actually use it. If right. all you ever do is go out in the clubs and game and spit game and do, and you might be very good at it. You might get lay after lay. If, you, if that's what you're about and you want to just increase notch count, all you really need is game. That's all you got. But the problem is, is once you get into a serious relationship, you're going to get worked because you don't know the theory behind why what you're doing is working or it's not working. So that's why one feeds the other. So you we come up with a hypothesis on the theory side, the red, red pill, and then we put it into practice. I say, okay, this worked, this didn't. It informs the one informs the other, right? So the practice informs the theory, theory importance of practice. Right. That's one thing I noticed as well is I was really good at picking up women, maybe because I just I looked good. I was in shape. Um, but then when it came to long term relationships, I really did struggle. Um, so that's when that's I had to learn long term relationships in 19. Right. Anyway, you know? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, no. Yeah. So when I was a simp, like that's when I uh, I had to learn the hard way. Like, oh, man, I am struggling with long term relationships mainly because I had to look at myself because um, mainly because I didn't understand women and I didn't really understand myself either. So that's where Corey Wayne kind of helped me um, learn and understand like the theories of women um, a, a lot more. That way I was like, oh. Yeah, I actually don't even want a long-term relationship. I've been just told this by society to get a long-term relationship, and it never worked for me. But now I know, okay, I can if I want to. But now after after learning about it, I'm like, I don't even want to have a long-term relationship. This it's pointless. It's a waste of time. Well, so, I, it, yeah, I mean, there's you know the joke is like you know men don't become men till they're thirty, right? Well, that's, there's some truth to that because it takes longer for men to mature, like into a lot of different things. It takes men must become women just are. So when women get to be about like, say, 22, 23 years old, that's at, they're at the peak of their agency there. That's as powerful as they're going to be because their sexuality and their fertility and their youth and their beauty is at its apex. It's at its peak right then for the most on average. OK. Um, and then from there, it sort of decreases and declines. And so a lot of things, you know, the, like you were just saying before, the experience between men and women is like very much different. So for for some for a woman to say, oh, I understand the male experience is like, mm, no, no, you don't. And for and then like likewise, I can only go and and sort of understand women's nature by behavior, by what what they do and when they do it, and understand you know. So it's not like we can't understand one another. In fact, I think it's imperative that men and women do understand one another. But to say that I can empathize with women, I would be lying if I said that. I can sympathize with with what they do, and I can also sort of like raise an eyebrow to things too. <laughs> and you're damn right, I'll be judgmental. I will be judgmental. But um, like, I, th I think it really comes down to uh, the concept of empathy. And I think women think that they have some sort of magical supernatural ability for, for empathy. And they, they don't. Like they're, they're good at, they're better at communication than men are, but they don't have some supernatural ability for empathy. And neither do men, it doesn't work the other way either. Because I don't think enough people really understand what empathy really is. It's like, it's being able to say, I understand what you're feeling because I've felt it before too. So I don't know if you've ever broken a bone, but let's just say, for example, you like you broke your arm and I broke my arm. I can empathize with you because I broke my arm. It's like, oh, shit, God, you don't get the butterflies, right? But 
if I've never broken my arm and you have, I can sympathize with you. Like, I'm sorry. Oh God, can anything I can do for you? Let me get you, you know, kind of put it in a splint or something. Like I can help you and be sympathetic. That's not empathy. Empathy mm-hmm. means I have shared that experience. And so therefore I can really sort of feel what you feel as a result of that. And I think we really misconstrue a lot of shit like that. Well, it makes you more passionate about wanting to speak about other to men about this because you've experienced it. You don't want to see the other guy um, go through it harder than you did. Okay. Um, well, yeah, that's definitely part of it. Uh, I didn't set out to do what I do. Just like I think a lot of people think I did. I, I'm where I'm at right now by design. <laughs> I most definitely did not plan to do what I'm doing right now. Uh, there was no college course to be real. <laughs> I'm still making this shit up as I go. Right. Um, but uh, like, I, I don't have an English degree and I've got five books to my name. So that must count for something. But uh, I, a lot of people think that I got into doing what I'm doing is because my, uh, my brother-in-law committed suicide back in 2003. Right? And there's a lot of, if you've ever heard me talk about it, there's a lot of circumstances that are quote unquote red pill circumstances that went along with that definitely part of that but not like it's not like that was the one event that like then he turned bad it was like my breaking bad moment you know like people really really want that from you um the origin or like, story um, and then like another another about a couple years after he committed it was 2005 yeah a couple years after that one of my good friends who was a dj and i mean like a radio dj here in reno actually swallowed a bullet because he couldn't live without his one-eyedest girlfriend and so here we are on repeat one more time. And then when Anthony Bourdain hung himself in 2018, I think, like it, it's like it all comes back again. And so like I'm seeing these patterns repeat over and over and over again. So was that my mission statement? It was to help guys keep the gun out of their mouth or the new software neck? Mm, not a mission, but definitely a certainly a side quest of 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 all of this uh i i originally started writing because i wanted to educate i wanted to i wanted guys to understand what was going on i'm just i look at myself as like the messenger right i don't i'm not really trying to develop a cult i'm not trying to like i don't have a prescription i don't have a 12 rules for life i don't have anything like that i just want to educate and then i want i don't want guys to say i'm a tomasi man I don't, I don't want that i want you to be your own dude and use what I've, I've given you so that you can build yourself into that own original dude and that's good i, th- I think that's I, I wouldn't i don't want clones i don't want i don't want guys who are like just sort of like need someone to show them how to live i think mm-hmm. most guys understand that and i would be i would be uh i would be insulting my readers i think it would be disrespectful and insulting to my readers if i said this will work for anybody because clearly it won't. And even if it did work for your generation, that doesn't mean it's going to work for your kids. And because there'll be a different situation, it'll be different things. I mean, the, the fundamentals will still be the same, but it will be kind of conceited and arrogant of me to say that, oh, I'm this white guy from you know Southern California who knows how you feel and how what your experience is in Mumbai, you know, or South America or South Africa or Kenya or whatever. I don't. I understand as a man, but I don't know what your cultural, ethnic, you know, national, you know, conditions are. So it'd be kind of foolish for me to say that that's, you know, here's my prescription and it'll work for you like it worked for the guys in you know, Eastern Europe, <laughs> it won't, it's, it's up to you to create your own prescriptions. That's why I don't do prescriptions. Right. Yeah. I was, I was getting towards like the point of, um, like you, you're going to have your, it's much easier for you and I to speak to guys and help guys 
on these things because we've experienced it. But I think for the girls that do this stuff, um, it the reason why they do it is I don't I think it's only because of money. Like when I see a girl talking about this stuff, it's like hmm, she's either a girl doing it for money or fame. Mm -hmm. Like there, there's nothing ego, else that crosses ego, my mind. Ego appeasement, I think, is part of it. Uh, you have to if you've read my first book, then you know you probably read the uh, chapter on attention. And attention is the coin of the realm and girl world. So not only can you make money at it, I can get attention for it. Fuck yeah, I'm all I'm all in, right? I don't have to. It's like the next best thing to OnlyFans, right? Well, I don't want to sell my ass on OnlyFans. What's this red pill thing? And I think that one of the reasons why a lot of women, well, not a lot. I, I know that there's a few. I think we always pick on Pearl, but there's a lot of other girls that are that are actually part of the, well, part of the, they would like to seem like, they would like everyone to believe that they're part of the manosphere. And they have nothing but good intent. They're all altruistic, you know, nothing but good intent. Unless you have sons, you'll have to be, you'll have to pardon my incredulity. <laughs> I can't. I don't know. But um, I, I think that a lot of women get into this for the same reason, like gamer girls got into video games and nerd shit and cause because it was for dudes. But it was sort of like fertile. It was a male space that was a fertile ground for women to sort of insert themselves into. And they got a lot of attention because those guys are they're not they're in a state of sexual deficit. So, so do you think it's like a mating strategy? Um, a mating strategy? Mm, yes and no. I, I think it's probably, you could, you could certainly make a case for it. Uh, I think really more of it's, it's kind of ego appeasement. I think it's, um, it, it's part of, it's just par for the course right now. I look at the women who are in the red pill space, kind of like a gamer girls, right? They want, oh, can girls play too? What? You don't like girls in your tree house? Mm, nope. That's not what this is about. It's never been about that. But like, I'm again, like I still work with Torsha. So if you're about it and you're genuinely into it and you're, and this is like, if like it, it's different for like, say like you have a, if you have some nerd that you really like, like you're into some kind of like, you're into some kind of game or you're into some kind of comic books or you're into anime or something like that, you know, who's really about it and who's not. Right. You could, like, if you're really into anime, you know your shit. I'm, I don't even pretend to know that I'm into my anime, but I know dudes who are really fucking into anime. And if you don't, they can sniff you out just like that, right? They know that you're, you're a poser, you're full of shit. Uh, right. If all you've ever seen is like Sailor Moon, they're like, Jesus Christ, get out of here. You know, like that's, that's their thing. Well, now imagine me, the red pill is my anime. And so when I see like people coming into this space and I, I go, you're you're full of shit and i can tell you're full of shit because you're not really about this you're yeah. all bland so why are you here and that's the yeah. I think that's that's what rubs guys the wrong way. And, and it is right now so for instance if i'm dealing with torsha torsha's really into the red pill she'll go and read all she's read all of my books which is more than i can say for even the guys in my you know that are you know supposed to be a red pill creators uh, and she goes back through my backlog of essays and does shows on my uh, essays from as far back as, say, 2003 or two, uh, 2000. Well, I guess you could go all the way that far back, but like 2013, 2011, like essays I forgot about. She's doing stuff. So that means she's about it to me. And so that I can get behind that. But if I'm if I'm smelling out somebody who just wants to get into this because they, they think it's the new hotness. Well, you'll forgive me if I call you a hack because yeah, I don't want to spill too much tea. But yeah, me and my brother, we uh, we we recently collaborated with some um, 
some other red pill red pill dudes and we were we both looked at each other like dude this guy's a nerd this guy like we just right away we knew this guy's a nerd like he's reading off a script he's not legit and me and him yeah, the whole time were just, it's yeah rote, it's it's rote memorization there's by the way there's a different like hear me being a teacher right it's there's a difference between rote memorization and actually learning something actually knowing it right yes so yes. people go and they go, Rolo, how did you ever remember all that shit to say on Dr. Phil? I like, I didn't need to remember what you to just say. Know. You just know. I've been this for 20 fucking years. I've learned this. I, uh, I am the game. I'm about this. That's right. why I was good at what I was doing. It's not like right. I go, okay, if he says this, then I'm going to say A, B, or C. Which should I say? Oh, B. You know, uh, that's, that's not that's exactly that's, that's exactly what happened memorization and that's yeah. that like for instance if you put if you put pearl or you put like a uh, ricky red pill or whoever the latest come up is you put them on that show they get they would be just destroyed yeah by an audience that is hostile towards you because you would be resorting to a pre-planned prepared uh rote memorized you know response and that's uh, by the way uh, that's why uh, Pearl folded on uh, the Vice interview about feminism, and so that's why Sydney Watson was better prepared for for that yeah. show than, than she was. And so, I think at the, at the end of the day, the followers decide, the audience decides. So even mm -hmm. though she still has a lot of followers, all of her followers mm -hmm. are not critical thinkers. Like if they're genuinely mm -hmm. critical thinkers, they'd be like, "Okay, this conversation looks scripted. It feels scripted," and that, I think that's it's inevitable. At one point, there's going to mm -hmm. be a crack in the armor where people it's either the critical thinkers will see through it. And then the white guys who just follow because it's a girl speaking facts, will just keep well, following her. Okay. So there's, there's two aspects of this. I think a lot of guys like uh, too many guys, too many people. And since you're young, you should know, you should learn this right now before you move any further. Um, subscribers, followers, that's a vanity metric, especially on YouTube. Okay. I have 220. What am I up to? 2000. 200, 2008, 208,000 followers on my YouTube. And I've got 150,000 on my clips channel right now. And people always say, Rollo, how come you don't have a million like Pearl? Well, first of all, I don't buy subs and I've been doing this legit. Like, go look at my backlog. You can go and look at people's, like, if you go and you see somebody who's got like 2 million subscribers, and all of their videos get like no more than like, you know, eight or 10,000 views. That's indication Sus. of like somebody who's buying subs. Okay. Uh, but they don't matter. Subs don't matter. Um, you know, likes, comments. I mean, I'm glad people like to comment because I like to see sort of get idea what these guys are about. But those are vanity metrics. And it's they, they only matter to people who don't know any better. Like if you're if you've been doing YouTube for as long as I have, hell, Tom will tell you this. My you know uh, about the the clips channel, they're they're vanity metrics. So like when I remember when um when uh Iron and Fresh back in August of 2021, all that bullshit went down with Ab and Preach, and they were coming at them, and they took a hit to their subs. So they were somewhere around like 400,000 and I think they lost like 40,000. They went down to 360, right? And people go, oh man, this is it. It's the beginning of the end. They're, they're done. They're doomed. But if you go and you look <laughs> at playboard.co for August of 2021, when all that was at the high, when all that was going down, they were the number one most super chatted live stream show on planet fucking earth at that time. They pulled in $120,000 in that month. 
And that, by the way, that's just super chats. That's not ad revenue. That's not side gigs. That's not, no, no. that was just super chats for that month. And they have 360,000 subs. So do subs matter? No, they don't. Well, all that matters is impressions, click-through rate, and audience retention. And what happened? By October, they're at 500,000 subs after that. So subs are kind of like, who cares? So when people say, well, Pearl's got a million subs. Yeah, because she's already admitted back in the, like probably about what, six months ago, seven months ago, that she's buy, she buys subs. She, she's, a rich, she's a trust fund baby. She's got a lot of money. And she buys the people to help her out. I don't know why she's got some like sort of, you know, OCD about the red pill, because I'll tell you right now, once it ceases to be popular, she'll pivot to something else. Mm. And she's not about it. She's just an entertainer and a facilitator. And that's why I always got to call. If I'm seeing that, I'm going to call bullshit, you know, because I've been about this. And I think that if you're not about it, then you owe it to the people to say, hey, look, this is an entertainment show, not an education show. If, if you so, want to be entertained, fuck, buy, go, please go watch Pearl. Do do so. So it's it's definitely I watch, getting. I, I watch lots of podcasts that I think are very entertaining. I get nothing out of them, but I, I you know, just you know, I, I, I laugh and I'm entertained. So what do you think is going to happen? Do you think the I I'm starting to notice the red pill is becoming more mainstream for sure, mm-hmm. um, pretty recently because of Andrew Tate. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, no, but well, I, guess, I don't know. Yeah. What do you think is going to happen? Um, I think that, and I, I've mentioned this on my show just recently, is this is the beginning of the end for the manosphere that as we know it now. I got to mm. put a caveat in there because people think, oh, Rollo says it's going to be, it's all going away. No, it's not. But um, I've been doing this so long, I see this cycle repeat itself. So, for instance, the same cycle I'm seeing happen right now happened in 2015, 2016, right before Trump got elected. And so you had all these people who were really into the red pill. And I mean, some names you would probably recognize, like Jack Murphy was very much a red pill dude or Mike Cernovich mm. and some, I don't know, maybe you were nine years old when all that was going down. No, I, I definitely heard those names. Yeah. Anyways, there's a lot of people who were uh, ostensibly about the red pill and the community and everything else. And then they pivoted to social issues and free speech, even Roosh pivoted to like free speech with his book. He had a book and people don't even remember this. He had a book called Free Speech Isn't Free. And that was right before the Trump, uh, the Trump train really started taking off and taking steam, right? And everyone suddenly wants to be this advocate for free speech. They're anti woke. They're anti uh, cancel culture. Uh, there's the alt right, and I have always, and I will maintain, I will go to the grave with this. It is a mistake to co-brand the red pill. The intersexual dynamics, the the understanding, uh, the praxeology of the red pill. It is a mistake to co-brand that with politics, with religion, with race, um, with um, uh, nationality. I guess whatever. It is a mistake to pair it up with any ideology because what happens then is people will dismiss it as being part of that that uh, that ideology. So it needs to be a social, a racial, uh, a religious, a political for it to be like sort of in its purest form. And that's the reason why I was always kind of hesitant about the red pill going mainstream. I, I told Myron and Fresh this back in 2021, March of 2021. I said, I hope it doesn't. I know it will. I didn't say it wouldn't. I just said, I hope it doesn't. And because of exactly where we're at right now. And so you've got like Pierce Morgan who wants to be you know, an authority on the red pill or Matt Walsh 
or you know Ben Shapiro or Jordan Peterson or people who have no business commenting about anything that has anything to do with the manosphere, the red pill, intersexual dynamics, because they've never really been about it, but they'll be happy to jump on the train as long as it gets engagement and it gets eyes on the you know click-through rate. As long as it gets CTR, they'll do it. And if tomorrow the 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 new hotness is free speech and and politics and UFOs, then they'll they'll pivot to that just as fast. And they'll do it with a smile on their face and say they were always about UFOs, <laughs> you know. So, and and people will believe them. Like, oh yeah, he's got a long history of ufology. <laughs> no, right. no, you don't. You're just a grifter. You're just like jumping on the new hotness. And and if that's what you're about, go do that. Just don't pretend to get into my fucking you know sandbox here. Well, a lot so, of these dudes are like beta male simps. So it's possible for a beta mm-hmm. male to be red pilled or well, talk about red pill. I'm glad you brought that up. Actually, that's funny because like you're even a 19 year old guy can can understand this, right? <laughs> it is when you see these guys who who just jump into the new hotness and they they think that they're all about it and they're not really all about it. The problem is is when they start talking about red pill stuff, their beliefs and they understand like their old audience that used to be about like politics or religion or conservatism or something like that they start talking like andrew tate <laughs> that's when they're wait a minute this sounds very sexist <laughs> this sounds right like it, it grates against their sort of blue pill nature because they're not red pill they never really unplugged they're just like mm. mouthing the words because it's rote memorization right they're just mouthing the words and because it's the new hotness but the problem is like you get a guy like say chris williamson for example who, wa- who wants to ostensibly be about like sort of red pill manosphere intersexual dynamics topics but he won't have me on the show because he's afraid of losing half of his audience his words not mine meaning that he was worried that the, the women who follow him would be, be somewhat put off by the fact that i'm on the show <laughs> dr phil will have me on but, but chris williamson won't have me <laughs> dr phil is almost like 100 like what the demographic is like 45 to 65 year old women at the three <laughs> o'clock hour on the afternoon you'll have me on but you won't come on man <laughs> come on <laughs> but i it's it's uh the problem is like when guys get into this and they start they start re- like reading the script and then they realize ooh, this might not sound good coming from me because i'm going to alienate my audience by saying things that might like great against um the uh the sensibilities of the audience that i pretty much built my brand on so they have to sort of like sanitize it they'll go well you know i'm red pill but i'm not all the way red pill i kind of am but i'm over here i am it's like pick and pull like you go to the pick and pull lot the junkyard where you can pull the stuff that you need and just don't don't have don't don't bother with the stuff that you don't that's uncomfortable or inconvenient for you and that's that's you want to know where i have a problem that's where i have a problem with these guys yeah that's that i just started noticing that a lot more recently um, cause I thought, Oh, it's the manager. Everyone should get along. But now I'm like, I'm starting to notice a lot of fake dudes, just fake. And the, that's the one thing about beta males is they're fake, like super There's fake. There's always a come up. Well, I mean, beta alpha, that's another thing is like, I really wish we would stop like qualifying guys by whether or not they're alpha or they're beta or whatever. It's like, what's well, yeah, it's like do? their energy too. Like their masculine, it, it, yeah. their energies well, is it's the vibe they give off as well. here's the thing though is that you could ask these guys if they're really about it and they might they they pass a polygraph test they'd be like yeah god damn right i'm about it blah, 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 you know but they because they believe in it but does that make them alpha does that make them beta does that whatever it is i look at the i try to 
I understand. I've used alpha and beta in the the sense that it's abstract. They're abstractions. They're like placeholder terms for concept, right? I don't, mm. for lack of a better term, we call it alpha. We call it beta. We call it alpha fucks, beta bucks, right? Yeah. Um, uh, when we talk about hypergamy, it's really alpha fucks and beta bucks is two sides of hypergamy. There's the short-term sexual benefits, the the uh, the hot guy in the phone cannon party, <laughs> the guy who's like, I want to f- fuck me now. That's that's the alpha fuck side of things. It's it's short-term uh, genetic biological benefits. It's like I you know he was hot, I was cu- <laughs> he was cute. While I was drunk, and one thing led to another. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and then there's the beta buck side, which is, and you will hear other guys mouth this all the time: uh, provisioning, protection, and parental investment. Those are the three P's, according to Rolo Tomasi. And my first and fifth, uh, first and third book, you'll you'll find that in in those three or those two. Um, but so it's provisioning, protection, and parental investment, and people will use that quite often, you know, sort of interchangeably, or they'll try to find some other way to sort of say it. But those are really the two sides of hypergamy, like alpha and beta. It's a nice word. Beta is not necessarily a bad thing in some senses because women need provisioning, protection, and parental investment. It's how you go about that. So is it really beta? Mm-hmm. Is, does that mean it's like negative because it's beta? Or does it mean only alpha is positive? Like you can have an alpha guy and he he's she's he might be the criminal that you want to fuck because he's in prison. You know, he might be the unibomber. He might be the was a Boston Marathon bomber, has like nothing but this teenage fan club who want to like have conjugal visits with him in prison. Does that make mm. him an alpha? Okay, I see. An antisocial alpha. <laughs> Maybe not a pro-social alpha, but he's still an alpha. But oh yeah. Um, like, Everyone's talking about this new uh, Sigma thing, too. Okay. Would you like me <laughs> to explain sociosexual hierarchy? God. I don't even know what it is. Everyone has a Sigma. Fuck. <laughs> get over this shit. I lo- it's been around for so long now. Uh, and, and you know what? People are going to watch this and go, what did he just say? There's no such thing as a Sigma. I'm telling you, there's no such thing as a fucking Sigma, okay? There, it, it, you know why? Okay. So you have to go to the source. Most people don't even know where that comes from. They have no, oh, there's alphas and there's betas. And then there's the guy who's the maverick who's outside the system and he's a alpha too. No, that doesn't, no, just fucking don't hurt yourself. Stop, stop, <laughs> seek, seek help. Okay. Here's the thing is the alpha, beta, sigma, sigma, by the way, is supposed to be part of what's known as sociosexual hierarchies. The definitive work on sociosexual hierarchies was done by a guy named Vox Day, very good friend of mine. He's gone kind of more like uh, reclusive and more religious, like I would say probably within the last like five or six years. Still a good guy. Still a good guy. Used to have a um, in, in addition to his his like sort of like social issues blog, he had one called um, Alpha Day Game or something like that for Alpha Alpha Blogspot or something like that. He no longer like participates really in the seduction community anymore. But he produced a series of videos on sociosexual hierarchies by Vox Day, V-O-X-D-A-Y. And um, the there's one main video that describes all of those hierarchies. So according to Vox Day and the way that this has been sort of set out, there's alpha and there's beta and then there's delta. And then there's gammas and then there's omegas. Those are the those are the classification, five, five classifications of men. And he goes into he goes into very you know painstaking detail uh, of the characteristics and the archetypes of each one of those sort of those settings, right? Those categories. 
Nowhere in that list do you see Sigma anywhere in that fucking list, okay? So just, like, just get over yourself. Is there such a thing as a Sigma? There is, but it's really an alpha who's just an antisocial alpha. That's all, right? That's You want a Sigma? It's the guy who does it, who's not... It's the difference between, put it this way, it's the difference between, like, Captain America and Iron Man. They're both alphas. They just express it in different ways. So if you look at, like, say, Captain America, he's like, you know, truth, justice, well, Superman, it's truth, justice in the American way, right? He's very family-oriented. He's a good Christian guy. He's a good boy, you know, kind of ordinary guy in extraordinary, you know, uh, environments and right? conditions, right? right? And then you got the and, playboy. And then you've got Iron Man, Tony Stark, millionaire playboy, um, very much, you know, spinning play, at least in the first movie, uh, fucking a lot of chicks, right? You know, because like later on, he gets tamed into being somebody else, somewhat of a, a more social, pro social alpha. But if you look at like the original characters, the archetypes of those characters, they're both alpha. They just express it in a different way. So. There's the antisocial sort of maverick sort of devil may care uh, guy like Tony Stark. And then there's an alpha who's very pro-social, family-oriented, um, lawful good, you know, <laughs> um, uh, you know, Steve Rogers, Captain America. Those are both alpha archetypes. They don't go into the beta. They don't go into the delta. They don't go into the gamma or the omega. And you, I, I could sit here and talk your ear off about the other uh, different classifications. But when you look at guys who want to say that they're Sigma, I think at some point along the way, like black pill doomers and, and Spurgs and God knows who else incels really wanted to set themselves apart. I'm really an alpha, but no one's ever going to appreciate me because I'm actually a Sigma. No, you, you can designate yourself whatever the fuck you want. You're not an alpha. And you're certainly not a Sigma. You're just a guy who's just looking for something that was going to make you seem like you're special and people ought to pay attention to you and they don't. And you can say, well, that's because I'm a Sigma and I'm outside the whole thing. No, you're just antisocial and you're in no way alpha whatsoever. Right. But people just want to feel like they've got, they've got some sort of like special classification and they really don't. Nobody wants to be Delta, especially Delta is the worst part. But, you know, it's funny. It's like there's Omega and Gamma. Actually, Delta right there in the middle, that's where you do because that's where most guys end up. That's where you don't want to be. It would be better to be, according to sociosexual hierarchies, it's better to be a beta than it is to be like the guy, the Delta guy, the go along, the get along guy who just kind of keeps his head down and goes to work. <laughs> mm, I see. Okay. But go yeah, look it up. It's, uh, it's called sociosexual hierarchies. Okay. Yeah, I'll definitely have to learn more about that for sure. And then uh, I remember you're talking about. In the first in the first part of your book, I don't know which part exactly, but you're talking about Corey Worthington, <laughs> and and that really, yeah. So it really struck out to me because I actually I posted a video or like a meme on my on my account just because I like the dude. I'm like, dude, this guy's this guy's awesome as fuck, and I just posted a, the video of him and the scene of him just fucking not giving a fuck, and I thought that was super cool. And then I started to see you break it down more, and I was like. Dude, this is awesome. Like, cause I, I know this dude. Like, or I saw this dude on the internet. And I was already talking about him. So, that was so. a very long time ago. Shit, you were probably nine years old when that happened. Yeah, <laughs> at least ten years ago. I know that. And, but they made the movie off of him, uh, like Project Project X, right? Well, part of it. Yeah, I mean, he was like an. He, I think he was like an inspiration for characters, but. Mm -hmm. uh, Corey Worthington, if you don't know who Corey Worthington is, he's this kid who I think he was probably like nineteen. It might have been your age, maybe a little bit older. He lived in um. I believe it was Australia. I don't think it was New Zealand. I'm pretty much sure it was Australia. And he um, threw a party, like a house party, that cost 
in damages cost his parents $25,000. That's 10, 12 years ago. That's some good chunk of change. Um, and so, so much so that, you know, the cops had to come that made like, it made national headlines. And so he was interviewed by this, like this, this interview, this girl who couldn't have been all that much older than him. She might've been 24 and he was like 20. <laughs> and so the funny thing is like, you, uh, you'll see, like I, I, sometimes I'll post memes about him occasionally. You'll, if you know, you know, kind of thing. Um, yeah. 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 The reason why I use Corey Worthington is, as an example of what I call the alpha Buddha. Now he's not a good example now. He was then. He's not a good example now. Um, so back then, um, when he was being interviewed, you probably saw the interview of the girl. She's an attractive girl, too, right? And she's, like, trying to nail him down and saying, you know, you should apologize. But he's like, I'm not going to apologize for shit. <laughs> and so he was just like – and it was so fluid, right? It wasn't, like, practiced. It wasn't like he was – It was just who he was. Yeah, he was a natural. He was. And that's why I called him, like, it's a, a state of – alphaness for lack of a better term that is so ingrained and so internalized and so part of who he, it's a second nature to him that he couldn't think of any other way to respond to it wasn't like con, contrived right all of the responses were absolutely organic and natural and i'm like if you could bottle that and put it into a potion or something and sell it you'd be a billionaire overnight because you could sell that sort of you know secret sauce of how to be as alpha as Corey worthington and i said it's like almost a state of zen it's like the the alpha buddha right, right. he just is alpha he was anyway it's not anymore okay i get it because people are gonna say hey man you got married to a fat chick uh, okay yeah i know we've fallen we've how how our heroes have fallen i get it all right i have a clip you want to you want to put on the uh, i'll put it up right now it's because it's, it's pretty, I think it's pretty legendary. Oh, man, I haven't seen this in so long. <laughs> a little throwback. Oh, it's the real life risky business. A teenager holds an alcohol fueled party for hundreds of kids while his unsuspecting parents are on holiday. 16 year old Corey Worthington is now facing not only the wrath of mum and dad, but a $20,000 fine from police. I spoke to him a short time ago. Corey, thanks for joining us. The only question that I can think to ask is, what were you thinking? What were you thinking? Wasn't really. Did your parents say you? There is. That's it, right there. That's that. Um, wasn't really. <laughs> Why did you? Um, I don't know. It was just a get together with a couple of mates at first, and then we thought we might as well just have a bit of a party, and then it sort of just got out of hand, and yeah. Well, five hundred people turned up. The air wing of the police force, the dog squad, your neighbors' cars were being destroyed. What have your uh, parents had to say, Corey? Um, I haven't really talked to them because every time they call, I don't answer. Because, yeah, they probably try to kill me. So that's a short term strategy. You're going to have to talk to them eventually. What are you going to say? Um, sorry. Sorry. Are you sorry? <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I am. You don't sound very sorry. But I can't be exactly blamed for everything that happened because it wasn't in the house. It was out in the street and I didn't do it. Like, please said, you were made. Inside, so you don't get in trouble. So I did what he said. So Why don't you take this opportunity now to apologize to your parents ah, and to your neighbors who have said today that they were frightened? Well, I've already, I've already offered like, to say sorry to them and stuff when I see them. So I will say sorry now for everything that happened. Why don't you take uh, your glasses off so we can see you and then apologize no, to mom, your neighbors for frightening nah, them? This is the best. Nah, I'll leave these on. 
Oh, I <laughs> they might be fined $20,000. Are you going to try and pay that for them? Yeah, but I don't think it's fair they'll be fined it because what happened, it was my party, but it could have just been any random person walking in the street doing it. What it happens all the time. Your parents were out of town. You put out the invitation. You started it. Why don't you make a grown-up decision now and accept responsibility, take off those glasses and apologise to everybody that you frightened, to the police who were forced to retreat and whose cars have been damaged, and to the community who have had to pay for this. Like take, a, your, um, take off your glasses and apologise. Yeah, there he is. I'll say sorry, but I'm not taking off my glasses. <laughs> Fucking G. Because they're famous. They're famous. Because <laughs> your glasses are famous. Yeah. Fucking Why are your glasses famous? I know. Everyone likes them, so I know I'm not taking off. You're pretty happy with the way you look and the attitude you've got, are you? Yeah. Yeah, my parents aren't, but I am. Okay, Corey, we've got to wrap this up, but what would you say to other kids who were thinking of partying when their parents oh, were out of town? Oh, so time? good. Get me to do it for you. You to do it for you. Not don't do yeah. it. Get me. Nah, get me to do it for you. Best party ever so far. That's what everyone's been saying, so. Well, we've got to go, but I suggest you go away and uh, take a good, long, hard look at yourself. I have. Everyone wow. has. They love it. <laughs> they love it. <laughs> so, so legendary. Long. Oh, God. So, do you understand what I'm saying? Like, because oh, what will happen? Like, I remember when I you, when I put that in the book. Like, because I put his name in the in the first book as part of like the alpha. Like, I was trying to explain what alpha is, right? And like people when they when I put that on there, they just lost their shit because they're like. He's he's a piece of shit. He's just he's not living the life. He's not like he's not living. I'm like that's not the point. That's the that's the abstraction there. There are guys, there are people who are there are men who are scoundrels. They're the hand solos. They're the Iron Man. They're the they're the Corey Worthingtons. They're the sons of bitches who are very very much alpha and they're anti. So maybe you could say you could make them you know uh, argue that that's antisocial. Uh, and then there's the guys who are pro-social. And what happens is like the guys who are very pro-social, who play by the rules, who are like the Captain Americas and the Supermans of the world, who their identity is founded or premised on this alpha ideal of being an upstanding member of the community and go to church on Sundays and have your own business and have your shit together and have a have a wife and kid and a golden retriever. And I'm not saying that that's not how it is. It's just a different expression of it. So when, when I use Corey Worthington as this sort of like, I call him you know, the alpha Buddha, when I, when I say it's like a Zen-like, he, that's just his natural response. He's not like trying to think what he can, what he can, do to provoke this chick he's just that's who he is that's just what it's about it's like it's so it's like a zen flow state for him and i kept trying to like use him as an example so people could sort of like grasp the idea of internalizing sort of this alpha i do most guys i, I have argued this in the past so i think that most boys start out very much alpha and then they have a beat beat out of them through yep. like teachers and, and 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 culture, and they have it beat out of them to some degree, and yeah. then so when you see a guy like Corey, who's just like, "Get me to do it for you," <laughs> like that's not like it's not like he goes, oh, "How can I? How can I? Prov- how can I? How can I like poke this bitch?" He's not thinking that. He's just like, "Get me to do it for you." Like it's like it's nothing. Like it's the first thing on the top of his head, right? Because he's his own mental point of origin, of course. But like, 
I, I was just the only thing that could have made it more perfect. He's like, yeah, it was the best party ever. If he would have said, you should come next time, you know, like, no, come in a swimsuit. She, she definitely it. wanted to fuck. She definitely wanted to fuck. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she's trying to play the, the responsible adult here, but you know, she's just like, mm, you know, like what's that? The underbite. Yes. Yes. <laughs> With them. So, yeah, I, it's I, and what's funny is like when I've used that, people get really pissed off when I say, you know, there are alpha males who are drug dealers and gang leaders who are serving life sentences in prison right now. And then there's guys who, you know, at your church who are upstanding, good alpha guys, too. What archetype are you? Are you Captain America or are you Iron Man or are you an alpha male who's a criminal? Because there's plenty of those too, and women want to go have sex with them in prison. There you go. She just described alpha. I haven't. I have not gone into alpha in so long. People hate it when I do that too, because like yeah. we come to the point where it's like I hate using the term high value man, because the only reason we started well, Kevin Samuel started to talk. That you want to know where I came from? Big ups to here. Here's credit. I'm going to quote. I'm going to cite sources here and give him his give him his flowers. <laughs> Kevin Samuels came up with high value man. Nice. Now, I've used high value man in the past, but he's the one who popularized this. Right. <clears throat> and I would say primarily because people like they got a bad taste in their mouth whenever you use alpha and beta. And I yeah, understand. I, I still use that. I, I don't really care. I mean, because weird. it's easier. Cause if you say alpha, you get like, I think a different, like, uh, it like triggers an emotional response in people head. now. Yeah. It, you get a, a different yeah. image in your head when you say, Oh, that dude's an alpha male. If you say that's a high value man, then you can apply qualities and attributes mm. to that guy. And you can say, well, he's got his own business. He's got a, he's got a million in the bank and he's got a hot wife and he's got a kid on the way and he's got nice dogs. And like, you can sort of like insert your own, you can sort of see yourself as the high value man. Whereas if you say alpha, it's like the guy who used to give you wedgies in high school. <laughs> Yeah. I think it's just like a, a mental connotation that goes along with it and they're just uncomfortable with it. It's just mm. lack of a better term. It's just, they're both, by the way, both high value man and alpha male are just abstractions. They're the same fucking thing. We just call them, you know, you, you're comfortable with that. Fine. I see. Yeah. So that's one thing I noticed is like a lot of guys will be in the comment section saying like, I guarantee there's a bunch of simps who were on this reporter's side trying to get in her pants saying, Oh yeah, he's such a bad kid. Mm -hmm. Oh, I can't believe he did this. I noticed the same thing when I got canceled, like my whole high school canceled me because I started talking about these things. Like my whole, whole high school, I got police coming into my house. I oh, had to go whoa. talk. Yeah, it was crazy. So huge in, in the state of California, like everyone knew who I was for like a whole month straight because I was getting canceled. You're, by all these you're, you're in Orange County, aren't you? Somewhere yeah, around there. Yeah. yeah. South, South Cal, okay. And yeah. uh, yeah, it, I, bet, I bet they did, man. Like some dude, of the nice OC, oh yeah. But the the best part was all the girls who were opening their mouths the most about me getting canceled or cancel Logan, cancel Logan were all girls I hooked up with, <laughs> girls who wanted to hook up with me, or girls I denied in the past. Mm -hmm. And I have screenshots. I have. I don't want to expose all of them, but I could easily expose all of their text messages, videos with them. And it's just like, dude, this is so funny because they're simps who actually believe these girls. And that's why that's one thing I can relate with uh, Corey Worthington is like, dude, I know exactly what he's going through is like, if you allow it to phase you, which he didn't, then yeah, you lose. But if you just genuinely live it and you are who you are, it doesn't affect you. It really doesn't. Like you're still going to see successful women. Women are still going to be attracted to you. 
Like mm-hmm. all you do is kind of um, split down the line of who was being fake with you and who wasn't. Like that's the one thing I liked about being canceled. And maybe Corey experienced this at the time as well. Is it really split down the line of okay, who's fake and who genuinely really likes me for who I am. And that's like the most beautiful thing about oh, yeah. being canceled. Yeah, you'll find out. You'll find out who your friends are when when shit like that goes down. I know, trust me, I've been through it several times. Already. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but, uh, I was also going to say is that, um, I used to, we used to deal with this back in the day, like back in the so suave days and like maybe the blog, I, I look at my sort of like my 20 years in the manosphere is like, there's the, the forum days and then there's the blog days. And then there's kind of like a transition period between blog and like, say like YouTube, but it's like social media days when it's social media starting to ramp up. And now we're kind of like in the YouTube, like for me to deliver my content, it's better and easier. And I shouldn't say easier. It's a pain in the ass, but to, to do it on YouTube right now. Right. And I still, I regret not being able to get back to the blog and write as much as I have, because that's really where my strengths are. The problem is, is nobody fucking reads. So uh, so I, you know, I'm still writing, but I, because I'm sort of, I do that because I have to clarify my thoughts and all that. But back in the day, there are so many guys who would go, Rollo, I couldn't do that. I couldn't, I could never, I don't want to say that. I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to be this. I don't want, I don't what, what she thinks I'm a jerk. She thinks I don't want to be known as a jerk. I'm like, what they say and what they do are two different things. Like, if they're calling <laughs> you a jerk, you're doing it right. <laughs> That's the thing. It's like, but you're doing it right. You know, a lot of guys, you see, I mean, to your credit, you've, you've are, I mean, probably you could give two shits now, but um, like when guys go through that, they think that they're the fact that people are calling them jerks or they think that they're suddenly they're getting a reputation for being a dickhead or whatever. They'll also have to deal with people like people who knew them from before. They'll say, you're trying to be something you're not. Right? You're trying to you're trying to be Andrew Tate. You're not really like that. This is just a phase you're going through. <laughs> you're not really like that. Um, no, see, because the, my background is in uh, behavioral psychology with an emphasis on personality studies, right? Mm. And so one of the things you will learn when you study like I did is that personality is not static. It changes. You get to de- The great thing is you get to decide who you want to be. So if you want to go to like let's see if i can give you a better example if you like if you want to go to a different like state like if you you know relocate somewhere else and suddenly you say you know what i'm a player here and you start presenting yourself as being a player nobody knows any different they don't know you from before they don't know what your personality is like they don't know oh you're trying to be something you're not they don't know because that's who you are that's who you, what you're you sort of the character you build for yourself alter ego I mean, yes, are there biological parts of it? Are there actually, you know, intrinsic parts of your personality? Yes, there are. But for example, like if you go, like I I deal with guys who uh, come back from deployment and who have had real bullets fired at them and they come back with PTSD and their personality fundamentally changes. Nobody goes, oh, you're trying to be somebody you're not. (laughs) Yeah, those bullets. Yeah, come on, man. This isn't you. (laughs) It's really fucking you. (laughs) It's really is you. Okay. That's because that's, you had a, like nobody questions like when it's trauma, a trauma can like change your personality. Why can't you just change your fucking personality? <laughs> like if you, that you say, I didn't like who I was before and this is who I am now. And so what happens is the reason why people say that is because they want you to be predictable. They want you to be somebody that they can like, okay, you're always a chump and you're always a blue pill simp and you're really nice. And you're really, I like you that way. Stay that way. 
Mm. It's like, yeah, well, what I've been doing hasn't been working for me. And so therefore I decided to change things up. Oh, you're trying to be someone you're not. Yes, you are right. I am trying to be someone I'm not. And hopefully I will become that person and it will be just a second nature. And I will internalize it just as much as the natural, like Corey Worthington, (laughs) maybe in a more pro-social way, but you get the idea. Right. Now, I like what you talk about how a lot of guys are naturally born that way and then we're we're definitely brainwashed that's one thing i noticed in my in my life is i was you know right when my parents divorced um i started to live with only my mom and then i started to become more simpy i started to only be around women i started to struggle more with women and then when I, once i moved hey, brothers or sisters i do have some siblings i'm gonna keep it uh private i'll tell you afterwards but yeah i do have siblings okay. um, uh, well, say male or female uh both both okay yeah um, but yeah, so that's one thing I noticed. And then I moved back with my dad and I started to see more success, success with women, more success mm-hmm. with business, more success with everything else in my life. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay, cool. And it, now I'm starting to look back. It's like, oh, I just need that masculine energy. I needed to, that, that reinforcement of being told, Hey, it's okay to do that. Or I don't really care if you do that because that's how dads are. It's like, all right, go, go climb up that fucking light pole. I don't care. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Because your father, your father, and well, uh, conventional masculinity is very comfortable with uh, more comfortable, let's say, with risk than women are, because yep. women are innately they have innate proclivity for security because they're the vulnerable sex, right? They're the incubators of the next generation. So it's like there's. I'm not saying that there aren't women who are like risk takers. There probably are, but not in the same number as there are men, because mm. it's a natural innate <clears throat> proclivity for men to have be more comfortable, be more risk tolerant than women are. So that's why you'll get like, for instance, uh, I was just just like studying this recently. Uh, did you know that women tend to be more germaphobic than men? Hmm. And the evolutionary reason for that is because like, you know, they don't want the baby to get sick. Right. There's the they tend to also women. Ha- I know I, I, I looked this up because I swear to God, my wife can smell things better than I can smell things. And she'd be like, you smell that? I'm like, no, I, she'll seriously smell stuff that I won't smell. And I'm wondering huh. if I was wondering, is that like a, 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 a male female or a gender dynamic in that? And it turns out that it is. Women have a, have a high, just a, you know, a little bit on average, have a better sense of smell than men do mm. because they're sniffing for pathogens. They're sniffing for something that might like, you know, because, you know, a death because of that. Or they're smelling something that doesn't smell right. Like they want to stay away from. Like what human beings have a natural revulsion to like feces or like dead bodies and things. So we want to, you know, it's gross. We want to stay away from that. Right. Um, women have a higher proclear, higher sensitivity, I guess, for that kind of thing. Uh, that's why women tend to be more afraid of like spiders and snakes and, you know, bugs in general. Mm-hmm. Um, because they are either ger- or, or mice, ah, mice, right? Because they're yeah. germ carriers and they carry pathogens that could kill the baby. And so what guys are like way more like you want to say like guys are slobs and women are less slobs, which I think is sort of like, you know, subjective. These are really relative these days. But yeah. I think by and large, women tend to be a little bit more cleanly than men do. There's we're we have much more. We're, we're, we'll wear a day old shirt. Right? Guys will clean their room for a girl when she comes. Over. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's good. That's a good observation. Why are they doing that? Because they know that women are sensitive to like, you know, they want a clean house. So you at least make the bed before we go. Fuck. <laughs> so, but it, but those, there's like innate things there, innate differences between men and women that is, I, I think is expressed in, in ways that we just sort of take for granted. And, 
But when you have um, like that masculine role model that's in your, I hate to even use the word role model, like a conventionally masculine, a conventional model for masculinity in your life, then you are going to take more risks. You are going to do rough and tumble play. You are going to uh, be uh, acculturated and socialized like a, like a conventionally masculine male. And I think that's very much lacking in certainly Western cultures these days. But um, also, I should also like point out that like when, when people, I've got guys, they'll say, Rolo, I really want to be a single father. And I want to have a, a, a surrogate. I mean, seriously, I have enough money. I want a, a surrogate mother or I want a birthing pod or I want to clone it like some freaking, you know, lamb in a you know little vat of cheese or whatever. Um, and I'm like, why would you want that in the first place? I said, we criticize women all the time for being single mothers because we think that what women we've, we've convinced that they can do it all. They don't, they can, they can be just as good a father as they can be a mother. Right. Doesn't matter. Single mom, superhero. Right? No, you can't. You cannot do that. Because what do we say before? Like empathizing. She can't empathize with your she just simply can't. It's not about breaking bones. Right. It's, it's about like your experience and your existence as a man. She can't empathize with it. she can sympathize. She can like sort of do or give her best guess. But women cannot be cannot serve the same function of, you know, displaying a positive, you know, conventionally masculine um, you know, model for sons and you know, some women will cop to it and they'll go, well, I'll just get his uncle over here or some, his coach, you know, whatever I get it, but it, it, she's not going to be able to fulfill that role. But we don't tell that to guys because guys can't have kids on their own. Like it's easy anyways. So when guys ask me, like, I want to be a single father by choice. I'm like, why would you want to do that? I will tell you the same exact answer I would tell a woman who says, I want to voluntarily be a single mother, which is you're hobbling your children because mm. now they don't have a conventionally feminine model in the house so that they understand femininity as well as they understand masculinity. And that's definitely important for women because when women are masculine, we already see what happens. Mm -hmm. Well, we only, we only really look at it from the female side because men can't give birth because there's only two sexes and two genders. Right. I said it. <laughs> Everyone knows. Everyone knows. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I'll continue to say it. But, um, yeah, I, I, I think that it's it's a mistake to think that that we can like men can be just as good mothers as women can be mothers can be fathers. You need to right. gotta have, gotta have both. I, I recently twice yeah, like rocket science. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, a lot of yeah, a lot of people. I don't think it's very talked about within the manosphere red pill. I don't really know, um, but mm -hmm. yeah, daddy issues, having a father and yeah, a mother as well. It's like yeah. yeah, I love it. You know, it's funny. It's like I get a lot of guys who, especially my haters, they'll, they'll think I'm just a pickup artist. Oh, he just talks about getting your dick wet. Dude, how long have I been? What time is it? <laughs> how long have I been doing what I've been doing? It's, I love it when people say, well, the manosphere never talks about this. And I literally have like half a dozen essays on exactly that. You just haven't read it. You just to you you don't care to read it. And you don't want to put in the time or the effort or you know just intellectual lethargy is what it is, because it plays better for like guys like Hafiz or these dudes who are like the you know trad cons who want to build a brand off the off the back of the red pill, thinking that they're they're doing something like you know novel or you know radical by saying oh they're not interested in fathers. Um, dude, I wrote my third book about 
red pill parenting, can you like look at that before you start popping off about roll of roll as a piece of shit? <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Cause I'll talk about daddy issues like on a podcast and the, even some of the, the red pill guys will be like, Oh, daddy issues. What's daddy issues? Why, why are we talking about this? Um, and that's the one thing I, I notice in my own life as well is a lot of the girls that have issues or a lot of girls who are hoes, a lot of girls who are messed up, a lot of girls are masculine. Um, they all have daddy issues. The, all the, all those girls, they all have daddy issues. Either the father was bad, non-existent, or the parents' relationship was really bad. And you, you know about psychology, so you understand like your parents play a huge role on like how you grow up and how you kind of act and yeah, stuff like well, that. Well, uh, you know, when, uh, when I was writing the third book, when people kept saying, well, when should I give my son your book to read? I'm like, don't like, <laughs> like demonstrate, do not explicate. So mm-hmm. best thing a guy can do if he wants to you know, make sure that his son, or, and by the way, mothers too, by the way, understand this as well. Cause I get women, I've had mothers who have four sons come up to me and say, Rolo, how do I make sure that my son's don't become beta male suicidal simps, you know? And I'm like, well, you're on the right track anyways, but like you, they need a, a, a conventionally masculine role model. That would be my first, the first thing I would come out of my mouth. But like when I'm talking to guys who say, oh, uh, like you were saying before, it's like daddy issues. And, and, and we talk about this. I've been talking about this forever, man. But um, the uh, the guys who hit me up and say, when should I give my son your book? I, I will, again, defer to uh, action. So you need to be that guy. You need to be red pill. You need to exemplify it in your behavior, in your thought process. And that doesn't mean you go, hey, Johnny, we're all going to be red pill today. No, that's contrived. You don't do that. What you do is you do things with your son and your daughter, by the way. Um, And by the gosh, I'm actually trying to remember. I'm trying to quote my third book right now, which is probably the most unquotable book that I have. Um, But the... um, there's parts in there where I, I've said, you know, if you're if you are a red pill parent and you have a you have a daughter right now, don't raise your daughter like a son. That's like the best advice I can give you, because too many guys say, well, I don't want to step on her, I, her, her, her dreams and her growth and everything like that. And they, they really wanted a son. And so they sort of get jump on board with this female empowerment narrative. Let her be a girl. That's what I'm saying. I'm not saying don't take her fishing if she's interested or she has like if she wants to like go skateboard. Fine. But don't like don't don't specifically say, well, I'm going to get you into science and math and STEM things and we're going to join the chess club like you're or you're trying to promote her into push her into like, you know, conventionally masculine things that she may or may not actually be interested in. Let a girl be a girl. Let a boy be a boys will be boys. Girls will be girls. Let that happen instead of trying to like direct you know, towards what you think. That's because that's pretty much what like the woke does with their kids right now. They want to turn them into trans. They want to turn them into, they want to, you know, a a two-year-old, three-year-old boy, girl, whatever, can decide what sex it wants to be for the rest of its life at three or four years old. It's like, get the fuck out of here. And you're setting up your daughter for failure when it comes to her future relationships because Mm -hmm. she's going to be very masculine and have Mm -hmm. a lot of masculine traits and very Mm -hmm. masculine men are not going to want her. So she's only going to attract feminine guys. Mm -hmm. That's why you you demonstrate and you do not explicate. One of the, one of the, like my daughter is going to be getting married this year. Okay. 
I'm very proud of the guy that she has decided that she wants to that. And the guy, by the way, came to me, asked permission to marry her. And it was very, you know, straightforward. He knows who I am. It's like, you you want to ask for my daughter in, in marriage, right? You have to defeat me in, well, you have to defeat me in single combat first. <laughs> you know? uh, he's a hockey player. He's a, he's a really good kid. And so like, but what's flattering to me is that he's very, very masculine in, you know, in his presence and his holding, holding himself. Uh, he could probably be a little more responsible, but that'll come, you know, he's still a young guy. Right. But, um, but I think it's kind of a compliment. It's flattering anyway, to me, anyhow, that the, boyfriends and the now my soon-to-be son-in-law are guys who are very pro-conventionally masculine and it's not like i said you need to go get with that guy i didn't like step in and do that i just exemplify this i live out what my role is and that role that conventionally masculine role is what she that's her model for masculinity and she looks for that in a guy who she wants to marry. I'm not saying he's like me. I'm just saying that there's there's the conventional masculinity aspects, definitely. And so when a, when a woman, when my daughter, when your daughter, when anybody's girls get to the point where they are looking for a guy or they are attracted to that particular guy, it's not like they're all attracted to their fathers. What they're attracted to is they're attracted to guys who are conventionally masculine that their fathers emulated for them from the time they were five years old to the time that they're 25 years old. So I think that it's much more um, beneficial, I think, to rearing children to uh, demonstrate, do not explicate. That's why I keep telling these guys, don't give your boys my book until they're like 18 and they really want to read. Like maybe give it to them as a gift for graduation. Okay, mm. that's when you should do. 18 years old, your kid graduates, your son graduates, then here, Johnny, you're going off to college, read the rational mail. That, okay, I'll approve of that. But if your kid's 12 years old, he's not going to get much out of the rational mail. I'm sorry. Just, I mean, maybe if he's like a brainiac, but no, you need to go and do things and be engaged with them. And I think that like by like parenting, I have learned anyways, is best when you're in the act of doing rather than telling, because I'll tell you, man, I've had those conversations with my daughter or even like, like my nephew who is about my daughter. So he's, he's just like six months younger than my daughter. You can't tell him shit, man. <laughs> you can't tell him anything yeah. because you can sit there and like, okay, it's old uncle Rolo or it's daddy, you know, dad's going to impart some fatherly wisdom. If, my nephew or my niece or my daughter, you know, if, if they absorb like 5% of what I said or 10%, I would see, think of that as a raging success. Because right. That's because kids watch what you do. They don't listen to what you say. And that's much more important than, than writing books or anything like that. Like I can give you my book. I can give him hell. My, my, my nephew has my book right now. <clears throat> the fact that he hasn't got back to me yet and going, Hey man, this is life changing. I am because he's busy doing shit. You know, I understand. Please. You'll get something out of it later. I'm sure. But like, to me, it's only important to me. Right? Yeah. <laughs> you know? So I, I think that's, you know, that, uh, you know, parents, like if you're going to be a parent, I'm not saying be hands off. You have to, in fact, that's the first thing I say in a, in a positive masculinity is I tell guys, tell parents like red pill men, red pill fathers, you need to know what you're up against. And if you're not parenting your children, your son or your daughter, 
Uh, your schools will be. Uh, Cardi B will be. Um, pop music, pop culture, religion, the internet, TikTok, what you name it, whatever is an influence, that, that will be happy to raise your kids for you. So you have to remember that that's what you're up against. And again, also, I want to add one more thing here is that by, by living that example, you might be the only example of sort of red pill aware conventional masculinity that your son or your daughter's friends may also see. Well, you know, Rolo's daughter, uh, you know, baby Tomasi here, her dad is like this, right? That might be the only example that they have. And therefore they might see that and in some way that influence might actually have make a difference in their lives too. So it's not just your kids. It's also their friends, maybe your, you know, your niece and your nephew as well. So it's not just you being a parent to your kids, you're being a parent to other people's kids as well, because mm. there's that example, that lived example. Yeah. Hopefully, uh, I, cause I know my generation or how I was raised and a lot of people, my age was raised was on the phone, on the tablet. So hopefully Yep. This inspires um, people my age when we get older and we have kids to take that shit away. Fucking, mm -hmm. it's not good. It needs to be regulated for sure. Yeah, um, needs to be. There needs to be a balance, I think, and that's something that like it's easier to just put a tablet in front of tablet toddlers, right? It's easier to put a tablet in front of a kid and keep it keep it shut up and entertained and everything than it is to actually engage with that kid. So sad. Or, or, you know, I I was just. Do you know who Hotep Jesus is? Like Brian? No. Okay. So Hotel Jesus uh, was, is a, a good friend of mine. He's been on Fresh and Fit a few times and uh, I've, I've done a couple of book covers for him. I've known the guy for a very long time. Um, Hotel recently was talking about uh, artificial intelligence mm. and it occurred to me that ta ta tablet toddlers, right? It occurred to me that at some point along the way, AI will take over um, aspects of raising kids for us. So it will be maybe initially be through like social media or be through like a tablet or something else. I'm not saying there'll be like robots walking around robot nannies, which may be a thing at some point, but I think it will be more pervasive uh, somewhere within the next five to 10 years. And we will outsource parenting to AI, which I think is exceptionally dangerous for, uh, for, uh, you know, upcoming generations because, because AI is already woke. Or it's all, yeah, it's it's already like go yeah. look, go to Chat yeah. GPT, yeah, and, and who is Rolla Tomasi? And it'll be like this son of a bitch. He's a sexist, misogynist piece of shit, and you know, he's very con controversial, you know. And it's all it's whatever the worst of the worst could possibly yeah, be. Yeah, they did it. They did it with Trump too. I saw. So. Yeah. So so if that's the AI that is like trying to describe me and giving you the official statement of this is what Rolo is, that's going to be raising your kids. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, scary thought. Huh? You want you want to know why Elon is afraid of that and robot dogs? Yeah, that's why. <laughs> yeah, and well, it's actually like it is kind of it's weird because you watch the movies and in every single movie where the robots become intelligent, and they kill off the human race. It's kind of like if you really think about it, it's really inevitable. Like they, if they are, if their goal is to, I guess, save us, the only thing to save us is from ourselves. You know, I'll go full Mike Sartain on you. Mike, Michael, if he sees this, he'll love this part right here. It's like okay. the, there, there's a, a theory, conspiracy. There's a theory, let's just say, that the reason why human beings evolve up to a particular point is so that machines can take over 
Like we need to like evolve and, and grow and, and advance up to the point where we can like do robotics or we can make, we can make basically do machine intelligence, right? We can do AI, whatever it is. Um, and that the actual function of human beings is to get to the point where we can create machines that are effectively immortal to carry on doing what we do because we're mortal and we can die. Right. So the idea, and I'm not saying oh, we're going to put brains in like jars and like walk around as, as robots or whatever, but I'm saying that the idea is that human beings evolve to a, a, a hot, just to an apex, just a, a threshold of technology to the point where we can pass off our living and our all of our applied knowledge into like machine intelligence that can effectively be immortal and then reproduce itself once once machines can reproduce themselves then that's the point at which we get to the terminator like you're saying and then the machines kill everybody yeah like, eh, thanks for getting us here fuck you we're gonna kill you all you're done you're dead bye-bye yeah Right. There's a reason why that fantasy like has repeated itself since like, I mean, the serial sci-fi, you know, TV shows, Flash Gordon and shit from the 50s, because it's so obvious to everyone else that that's what's going to happen. There's actually, yeah, there's a there's a lot of truth within the, not like not Disney, but like there's a lot of truth in these in these shows and these movies that a lot of people don't pick up and they think, oh, that's mm -hmm. bad. The Matrix. Oh, take that's not real. We take it yeah. 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 Well, yeah. that can happen. Mm, yeah not yet <laughs> have you seen uh have you seen they live yeah of course yeah so i just watched it for the first time like last <laughs> month and i was like this is the most base movie i've ever seen in my entire mm -hmm. life and it's it's so relatable was, to what's happening right now out. it was a complete like goof parody movie you had rowdy rowdy roddy piper the guy who's in it was a professional wrestler, wrestler. yeah wrestler yeah I was watching it with my dad, and he's like, dude, this guy's a wrestler. But I was watching it with uh, my brother, Nathan, and we both kept looking at each other like, dude, this is so base. This is exactly what's happening right now. This is fucking crazy. I love that shit. Yeah. yeah. It's like anything that's like, like stuff like that is, that's, that's kind of like the bonehead version of The Matrix. <laughs> like, hey, put on these glasses. I use that, by the way, I use that movie. And the reason why I know that movie is because I use that movie as kind of like a metaphor and I probably shouldn't use a metaphor, but um, for like when you become sort of like, Andrew Tate will call it being unplugged from the matrix, whatever. But like when you put on the red pill lens, that's like a chapter from one of my books, uh, the lenses don't come off. Right. So it's like, it's like, uh, it's like that movie where they put on the glasses where it's lets you see like, you know, all the real shit that's going on and there's aliens and it's obey this. And here's the real message behind that. Those glasses don't come off. They are always on. And all the shit that you really enjoyed before when you, didn't have glasses you had your blue but you can't enjoy that shit anymore so the Isn't joke it, uh ignorance is bliss right yeah well it is but like i tell you the thing is is i think that a lot of people have a really tough time um being red pill aware and i mean that in terms of intersexual dynamics people will extrapolate that into other shit too but i'm talking about intersexual dynamics where they really want to believe in the blue pill kind of like the nice idyllic you just do these things and carry your books home from school and it's just we say disney but it's this this thing that this 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 methodology this belief set that we're taught when it comes to oh here's how you you know here's how you get a girlfriend here's how you get a boyfriend like that kind of stuff and then we realize that that old set of rules and that old books those that old books are no one's playing by those so now we have the red pill lens on and we realize oh this book is actually a different rule book and everybody's not actually playing by this um but you still want to believe 
that you could get to that really wonderful paradise, um, you know, ideal life. If you could just like make the red pill work in a blue pill paradigm. And the problem is the blue pill paradigm is a lie. And, but the, the good news is that in the red pill paradigm, there's more opportunity because now you know the real deal. So you can actually build a much better life in a red pill paradigm than trying to create something that the blue pill taught you that should be true. And by using, you know, you got blue pill goals, you will never achieve those with red pill awareness. So like, it's hard for guys to accept that. Like when, when guys ask me like, how come my, my dad or my brother, like they, they become red pill aware and they're like, did you want to be evangelists? They want to tell everybody that you probably, you did the same thing. That's probably what got you in trouble. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because it's, and it seems logical. Hey dude, this is, I, I would be the same thing. Like, Hey, look at this, read this book. It'll really open your eyes. And they're like, fuck you misogynist <laughs> because they don't because to to read it and to put on they they they're basically saying put these glasses on these red pill glens glasses that'll never come off no no can't stop you know, you know because they want to achieve that blue pill kind of paradise that that ideal that they think is possible if they just keep playing by the old set of rules and you're essentially like sort of ripping them out of that reality and that's hard a lot of people know but a lot of most people aren't ready for that well yeah the matrix talks about it as well as like you unplug someone yeah. and they can't handle it, they'll die like they just die yeah. and well, in the movie like they live they, they there's a there's a good metaphor is when he tries putting the glasses on his friend and his friend and him fight over the fact that he doesn't want to see the reality and so he mm -hmm. has to really force and they get into the point where they're both almost like being being where he starts to see the truth so it's like it, uh, and that hit me hard because I was like, I used to try to help my friends and my homies so much with this stuff. And there's that point where you just give up and it's just like, damn, like I can't help these guys. That's uh, my, my, it's in, I think it's in my second or third book. It's like uh, unplugging guys from the matrix is dirty work. And you will not be, certainly not at that time, you will not be appreciated for it when you try to like say, hey, Chuck, this, and that's, I think there's ways to do it that are a little bit more, um, uh, let's see, acceptable than others. But uh, unplugging guys from the matrix is dirty work, and I've likened it to a triage. So it's like when you have, you save the ones you can, and you read last rites to the dying. And yep. you just move on and you go to the next one who hopefully you can save. And yeah. that's really the only way to really look at it, at least for now. And like most people aren't going to, they're simply too invested. Their egos are too invested in you know, the personality. I mean, literally their personalities are dependent on that old blue pill paradigm. And as soon as you rip them away from that, you can't listen to 80s power ballads anymore. You can't watch your favorite movies anymore. You can't like, you can't, because you can't take the fucking glasses off. So all right. the things you used to love before you put the glasses on, you can't enjoy anymore because you can sort of see like the lyrics of this song. I, I used yes. to music, right? You, I can't listen to this song anymore because it's so simpy and so beta. I, yep. I used to sing this at the top of my lungs, driving down Pacific Coast Highway. Yeah. Uh, you know, Michael Bolton, Ario speedwagon journey songs right you know don't stop believe you know yeah and now you're kind of like you feel weird about like well singing it now but also that you did so like enthusiastically before yeah <laughs> like, oh my yeah. god what was i thinking right 
And so imagine now you've got people who just simply don't want to be torn away from that. And it's enjoyable. I'm not saying it was, I still enjoy that music. It's just, I have to kind of like say, okay, well, it, it, I enjoy it for what it is. Right. Right. It's not like I will be writing Michael Bolton songs. I'm not going to do, I'm not going to be writing yeah. those songs. Right. But uh, I understand why they were popular because now I have the red pill lens on, I can still enjoy them, but not for the same reason anymore. And that's really tough because you're kind of taking that safety blanket away from people and their personalities are dependent on that safety blanket. So when that's why I tell guys, you got to be very careful about being sort of an evangelist for the red pill because more people than, than not will resist you and they will fight you. They will be hostile. They will literally throw punches at you to prove to any girl within earshot that you're a misogynist and this is what happens to misogynists, right? They, they, they wait for opportunities to kick your ass. That's because yeah. they, that's what they've been taught. If I go and kick this guy's ass, he sounds like a misogynist. I beat his ass and women will want to fuck me. No, they won't. But that's, uh, you gotta be careful of that stuff, especially if it's like your first time coming into all of this. My, yeah. um, so, so what's the answer, right? I'll give you this abbreviated version of this. What I tell guys, this is the same thing I would tell guys who want to raise their kids or their sons as red pill guys, right? Is you wait for your moments. You demonstrate, you do not explicate. So you don't try to force, you know, the rational male down your friend's throat, right? <laughs> you don't do that. You wait because you, in all likelihood, if you know your friend well enough, you know the, what the, you probably have a good idea of how they're going to uh, accept or not accept what your sort of new person, like you're trying to be somebody or not, right? Um, so what I tell guys is wait for your moments and pick your battles. So rather than trying to sort of evangelize the red pill, wait for something to happen, whether it's in the news or in your circle of friends, maybe in your family, uh, some kind of event that relates to something in like, say, my book or the red pill in general and say and then ask questions. It's what I call leading the witness. So it's like, why do you think that happened? Why do you think she why do you think she started an OnlyFans? Why do you think she's like that? Wow. You know, why do you think women are more like that these days? Have the conversation. You already know what you're going to you already know where your position yeah. is. Right. But it's what I call leading the witness. So you ask those questions, they answer, and then you sort of lead them to a red pill conclusion and then let right. them go. with that. And then the other thing is like, and I hate to even say this, but like you sometimes the best time to catch your friends is when they're at a point of trauma. And they've tried everything heartbreaks. and they're in heartbreaks, right? And I hate that it has to be crisis point and trauma point, but that's when you have that moment of clarity. And that's really when, uh, you know, if you have a real friend and you feel like you owe him a debt of gratitude or friendship or whatever, that I hate to do it, but that's the time you really need to say, you will only get what you've gotten if you keep doing what you've done. And so right. let's try to reassess this because what you're doing is not working. So let's see why it's not working. Now, even then, guys will still cling to that safety blanket, that blue, like a you know, white knuckle in it. But eventually they'll go, they'll think, okay, maybe there's something to this. And even if you can just get, you know, just partial understanding, then you can have those conversations. And you'll notice if you've read my book, you'll notice that in the introduction of every single one of my books, I say this, it's like, give this book to someone else and have conversations about it. That's really what I want. You want to know how to show me the work? Do that. Like say, here, here uh, this really helped me out. Whether they read it or they don't, it doesn't matter. Just have conversations about topics in the book 
and ask and just, I mean, like completely like not, you're not trying to, you know, give them a sermon. It's just like, let's, Rola said this, or I don't even say that. Say, I see this happened over here with my sister, my mom, my, my girlfriend, whatever. Why do you think girls are like that? Like, if you have those conversations, you'll find that guys really want to talk about that. And then once you start the dialogue, that's when you can actually start talking about Red Hill topics you're not, without like evangelizing about it. Right. Before I started creating content, um, I tried to tell everyone about the, the Corey Wayne's book, but only one of my friends, and now he's my best friend, he's the one who actually decided to start reading it and learn about it. And it just so happened that we were both going through, or we just had an understanding at the same time. And then when I got canceled... Obviously, he was the only one who was on my side and a few other individuals. But most of the old friends that I had were like, bro, bro, I can't believe you're saying this stuff. This stuff is crazy, whatever, whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. And then t- one year, two years later, they all come back. They message me on Instagram. Bro, everything mm-hmm. you said in the past was so right. I can't believe I made that post about you. I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. I'm like, and it, but now it's like we can't even be friends anymore because I leveled up. I was leveling up while you guys stayed here so now i'm like i'm way past you you guys didn't choose to level up with me now you guys are way back there you know it is what is this i like you're you're describing something that i went through like way back in the day like even before i had a book right i um because i had a lot of these conversations on so suave and then i would have conversations outside like with with friends as well and then i wrote the book and people really uh, there was people who really did not like what i had to say they knew me from like before as Rolo, right? Right, right. And they're like, I can't believe you're saying this. Fuck you. Da, da, da. They would, I mean, they would, they would get hostile with me and not talk to me for like, you know, six months, two years, somewhere around there. And then heartbreak. And they get through, a, they go through a breakup or then something happens. It doesn't have to be a breakup, really. I mean, it could be anything. Or they see something that is just an inconsistency and they're just like, oh man, I can't believe he was right. And I'll tell you what's, <laughs> I'll tell you what's, inc- what's encouraging though. Okay is and i don't know that women do this as much as men i think men are probably more prone to this but like just like you said your friends come to you and go oh man dude you were so right i'm so sorry i i'm so sorry i I feel so bad for like spitting hate at you because this happened and now i now i get it now i understand what you were saying back then oh man and I think that like there's a part of you that go, yeah, fuck you, vindicated, yeah, revenge. Like, like you have to resist that. Like, yeah. I because I, I did the same thing like, back then. Like, yeah, see, told you so. Like, if you get the told you so thing, you. I've had so many guys do that with me. Like, they hated me at first, and I go, "You're gonna hate me now." In fact, I put it in the in the in the introduction of the first book. I'm like, "You're gonna hate me. You're gonna hate what I have to say." But then some of it, you'll be like, mm, "Maybe he's got a point." And then what happens is people like reject it and they, I mean, hostile, they're like just volatile, you know, rejecting, violently rejecting it. And then two years later, they go, fuck, dude, I'm so sorry. I I felt like I had to call you up and like, 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 who's this? You know, like, oh, Joe, it's you. You you, like somebody you haven't heard from in a while. They're like, dude, you're so right. I'm so sorry. (laughs) And you have to resist the urge. For going, yeah, I told you, you should listen to me then. Hear me now, believe me later. You know, you, you you have to resist that because, and by the way, you have now I do this is like whenever I get hate from somebody who's who, like I, and I get it all the time. I was just getting it from people who saw Dr. Phil not too long ago. They'll slide into my DMs and like, fuck you, I can't believe you're a 
you're a Neanderthal and you're a chauvinist, misogynist pig, blah, blah. And I'm like, it's all right. Don't worry, bro. I'll be here when you have that epiphany later, two years from now, six months from now. Don't worry. I'm not going to hold this against you. And of course, it seems like I'm like being a prick, right, <laughs> by doing that. But I've, it's happened so often that I, I kind of have to take like fresh, new, fresh hate, like people who just come into this and they hate on you. It's not personal. Don't take it personally because not, I mean, I'm not saying it happens in every case, but like there'll be those times and I've had it often enough and you did too, as a matter of fact, you and you've been doing this as long as I have, but you're, they're already coming back to you and saying, dude, you were so right. And I'm not, I hate even like, it sounds conceited. Like you, you sounded conceited. Just telling me that right now. <laughs> this is what it is. <laughs> but, but you're like, that's what happened. But so you can handle that. You can, you can handle that in two, two ways. You can be like, fuck you. I was right. Or you can be like, it's okay, dude. Now the word, now that you understand, can we have this conversation? That's great. When you can yeah. now have the conversation you couldn't have two years ago, you have to like, remember that when that guy's shitting on you two years ago that you're like, okay, it's cool, dude. When you come, I'll be here for you when you need me. I'll be a good friend. Right. And then you, and you are when that happens, I think that's more productive than being a dick about it. Yeah. And love, love is allowing. So it's even like with the women, Hey, you don't like me? Cool. No big deal. You just walk away. That's it. Yeah. And well, I, mean, I, you know, I get this, um, I wrote this, it's actually in, a, in one of my books. I can't remember which one, but I wrote this essay about revenge mm. and I have come to the conclusion that revenge is not worthwhile. And that's not like some moralistic perspective. I think it's impractical. It's just not pragmatic to, to, to seek revenge because what happens is you hear these guys who say like, you know, revenge, living well is the best revenge. Well, yeah, it is. But if you, your whole motivation to live well is to get back at, so you have to, you know, to exact revenge on somebody you're living by their, their dialogue. You're living that every day. Whereas you should want to be successful because you want to fucking be successful. Not because you want to go, ha, see, I told you all you said I'd fail and I didn't like, yeah, but your success is still as a result of the guys who are fucking with you back then. So that might feel good, but it shouldn't be, the reason why you're successful and uh mm. there's a there's a great line in that movie uh princess bride where uh the guy's talking about like revenge and everything he says there's not a lot of money in revenge and it's right there, there's not a lot of money in revenge because you're always focused on one thing and that's if that's the motivation that that drives you on that 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 inspires you and incentivizes you to be better you're they, they win every single day Right. So you should just say, you know what, fuck it. I'm going to do it for my, and you know, it might be great that like later on you're in a better position than they are. You can say, well, I'm vindicated. Okay, fine. But I will guarantee you that when you get to the point where you're living better than the guy, you're living a better life than the other person, you won't care. You won't right. care when you get to that point because yeah. you will have, you'll be indifferent to all that bullshit that happened. That's really where you ought to be. Yeah. The one thing Andrew Tate says, uh, hate never comes from above. And it's so true because like once you, and he ripped that off from Rich Cooper. Really? Okay. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Deal. So yeah, Rich Cooper says, uh, hate never comes from above. And I like it because yeah, once you have like an understanding, it's like mm -hmm. I'm not even mad. I just understand because if I was being told something um by someone and I didn't know, you know, I'm not surprised you acted that way. It's very predictable. Mm -hmm. Um, that mindset that these people have is very predictable, and it's no mm -hmm. surprise that they they did this right they've been programmed to do this so 
I understand. It is what it is. It never comes from above, but sometimes it does when they see you coming up in the rearview mirror. Mm. You'll get hate uh, from above when whoever's above you sees you coming up in the rearview mirror. Good PR. Yeah. (laughs) I'm not saying Rich is wrong. I'm just saying it needs to be more complete. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, There's another quote that he says is uh, what's called women wait wait at the end of the finish line and they Mm. they fuck the winner. Mm. But I think smart women actually invest in a guy who has um what's it called like he has the Sorry, ambition what? smart smart what? What? i think s- smart women have the ambition and or they invest in the guy who has ambition now they okay so here's I, i've written an entire essay on this as a matter of fact um okay because a lot of people get like okay so the quote is this is that mm-hmm. women don't care about men's struggles they wait at the finish line and they bang the winners right right true, true. yep but not all those women can be the ones at the finish line at the checkered flag waiting because there's only so many winners. And oh, so, okay. I see. Although there are women that do that, there are women who are good looking enough and, and maintain themselves and they're going to fuck the winners when they get to the finish line. Really, when Rich came up with that, it was really more about men's struggles, right? Mm. Women don't care about men's struggles. They just care about like the end result, which I understand. Okay. <clears throat> Problem is, is there's only so many winners. And to wait around for a verifiable, confirmed winner, there are only so many women who can get with that winner, which are very few. The high-value men, we talk about it all the time in the manosphere, right? Um, So what women are forced to do is in their prime years, like 18 to 28, they have to make a bet. They have to bet on the prospects of a guy who has potential, to the potential to be the winner to cross the finish line later on, usually right around 30, you know, when he hits his peak potential, right? So if you got a woman who's say 23 years old, 24, 25, even as late as I say 27, she still wants that winner, but she can't be the one that's waiting at the finish line. So she has to find a contender. They have to find a guy who's like racing to get to that finish line. And she has to make a bet. Is this horse going to win? Is this horse going to be somebody that's going to be a a winner when it's time for them to be a winner? So what happens is is you have women who are betting on men's potential. What do they bet with? They bet with their sexual capital, their sexual agency. That's why women get very upset when you're wasting their time. Women would much rather have a turnkey relationship with a guy and say, okay, he's already made. He's good looking. He's famous. He's Justin Bieber. Fuck it. I'm going to stick with him. Right. I want to get with this guy. Those guys are very, very few and far between. Mm. Women have to figure out who is going to be the best potential amongst the people, amongst the guys that they can actually, you know, realistically get with. So what happens is, is they then get married or they start, you know, they lock down that guy and say, so what it is, it's like, the, this is the unspoken arrangement. Okay. I am now in my peak years, 25, 26, 27 years old. I'm hot and sexy. I'm looking good right now. But I know that my sexual market value will decay as I age because that's primarily what men want on the sexual marketplace, right? Mm. Tell okay. you what, we're gonna, I'm going to jump in your car right now by getting married and we're going to go across the finish line together. And hopefully you'll be a... Uh, you'll win the Grand Prix, right? You'll win the you'll win the race, and you'll be a winner, and you'll cross the finish line. But you won't fuck those girls who are waiting at the finish line because I'll already be in the car. I'll already have worked up with you, and I'll have already have some equity with you because I am giving you my best, sexy, fun years twenty five, twenty six, twenty seven to on the on the potential that you're going to be a winner. 
And that's oh, why so it's a strategy. Okay. So it's a mating strategy for sure. So are there women okay. that want to do to one day with as rich says, yes, but that's, inc- I just say it's incomplete because mm-hmm. women have to make that, but not all women can be the ones that waiting at the finish line. And so therefore so it's not smart women, it just depends on their position and where they're at. No. Well, and again, it's uh women would like nothing better than to be able to get with a guy who's hot, tall, six, 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 right? Six pack abs, six figure income, uh, you know, uh, was six feet tall, you know, 12 inch dick, whatever. I don't even know what <laughs> anymore. They would love the complete package and they would love a turnkey. They would just find that guy turnkey relationship and they just jump into marriage and that uh, happily ever after. Right. Mm. Women want to marry a lifestyle. They don't want to marry the guy. Right. Mm. And so uh, the the women who want to wait at the finish line and there are some that do that and maybe it behooves them to do so because they can maintain their looks and they can maintain their sexuality for maybe longer than the girls who have to bet on potential. So they're going to be there. But the problem is, is most there's there are more women waiting at the finish line that are women that got in the car with that guy when he hit the finish line. And so they're like, well, I'm hot and sexy. Where's my man? Well, you're 38 years old and you still look good. But guys who are your age don't want to have anything to do with a 38 year old woman. They want to get with a 28 year old girl. Yeah. And so that's so they said. So it's a very risky strategy to be the girl waiting at the finish line. It's a much more pragmatic efficient strategy to look for a guy during your most valuable years and uh, bet on a winning horse mm. and go across the finish line with the winning horse. The problem with that is the Gary V paradigm. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm just using that because it's the most, it's the most uh, recent example of this. The reason why women get very upset at the idea of like a trophy bride or the guy who, when he gets to be makes, you know, partner in the law firm or whatever, he says, you know what? I've been with this girl for the last six or seven years. I know we have a kid together, but I'm going to fuck my secretary, divorce her and get a hotter, better model now because I can, because I'm now I'm at my peak. And that's the worst fear of a woman who had to bet on you when she was 28 and you were younger and you didn't have shit. And she did. And that's why it's, it's, it's a, it's sunk cost is what it is. It's a loss of investment thinking that, okay, well, if I get with him now and I I give him the best years of my life and I fuck his brains out and I'm emotionally invested and we have kids, then I will ride that into the years beyond him being a winner. Right. So he's now he's a winner. And that's the thing is like, that's why people, women in particular hated Gary V because Gary V did exactly that. He had some chick that was with him when he was no one in his mid twenties. And he's worth, I don't, God knows how much, $400 million, something like that now. And he gets rid of the girl, his, his wife of 12, 15 years. And he takes up with his personal assistant and she is a hot piece of ass. It is the stereotypical trophy bride, um, you know, trophy, trophy girlfriend, whatever. Um, uh, the fear that women have and that fear is inspired by a loss of investment because you were supposed to stick it out with me because I gave you, I gave it up to you when you didn't have jack shit. And now that you have shit and I don't have jack shit, you're going to fuck her. That's why women get pissed off at that shit. That's, that is the, that is an existential fear for women is to lose that investment. Yeah, and then yeah. all the beta males are like, oh, years of their lives for this son of a bitch. Yep. Yeah, and all the beta males are like, oh, you were so lucky, man. You're so lucky. Can't believe you did this, man. That's how you know. Okay, he did the right move. If <laughs> all these dudes. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, it's uh, it's so uh, that that whole that whole thing with uh, 
you know, women waiting at the finish line. It is true. It's accurate. It's just accurate for some, like a very limited number of uh, women and an even more limited number of men. More mm. women will bet on a guy with potential than will be waiting at the finish line. Do they care about men's struggles either way? No, they don't. <laughs> but so he is correct about that. But the thing is, it's like women who have more, they invest more of themselves and they invest their sexual agency in a guy earlier feel like that when they get to be 36, 38 years old and the guy is hitting his stride and hitting his peak, that the bet is, or the hope is, the arrangement is, like, you're not going to go fuck somebody else, right? You're not going to go fall in love with them. You're going to divorce with me and get, take up with that that bitch <laughs> that is your personal assistant, right? That's that's the hope. That's the, the risk that is inherent in betting in a guy's potential at, in his 20s. So it's easier, but there's higher risk that she gets fucking dumped and replaced. Well, not necessarily because most guys are betas and they don't do that. By and large, that's an apex fallacy. So like when okay. women go, oh, he's, why would you do that, girl? You need an insurance program. You, you need to have your own separate bank accounts and you need to have your own <laughs> business to be an independent woman. You can't trust men at all. Like it's this complete, uh, like, uh, like men are just have the potential of being sons of bitches. Like they have the potential to be a Gary Vee, right? Yeah. And that's the problem is women fixate on that shit. And so therefore they live their lives thinking that the blow is going to come. And so they never, they never submit. They never defer to a man's authority. They, they, because they, that's where you get this equality narrative all the time. The mm. equality narrative for women, when we say strong, independent woman, we mean independent of men. That's really what it boils down to. She doesn't want to be dependent on you. She doesn't want to be dependent on a man because that man has the potential to take up with his fucking trophy, his, his secretary and fuck the secretary and everything that she's invested is a waste. Well, Which don't course, they fixate a lot of these things when they get married and divorced? <laughs> don't they fixate a lot of these things based on alpha male type of dudes? Because a lot of these beta males are invisible. Mm -hmm. So yeah, they they a lot of these by the way, I was going to say winner, winners are never betas, by the way. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Finish line. <laughs> no, he doesn't look like, you know, you know, Seth Rogen. <laughs> he doesn't look yeah. like that. That's not, he does. That's the beta guy. It's only guys who are high value that they worry about losing because it's an investment in the guy. And now like I, you know, have probably read this. This is my quote. Thank you very much. Which is women don't want a man to cheat, but they love a man who could cheat. And they want a yeah. man who is that other men want to be and other women want to fuck. Right. The problem with both of those, those are maxims, by the way. The problem with both of those is that women, the things that make a guy arousing and hot and sexy and like desirable are the same things that make him like potentially volatile. They, they make him potentially like a cheater. They make mm -hmm. him like, like, like I said, they, women don't want a man to cheat, but they love a man who could cheat that could cheat side of it. That makes him so attractive. And so arousing is also something that could be like, he might actually cheat. Right. <laughs> so, so there's always this kind the of toxic, like, the toxic like, side, very delicate balance that we, you know, women's egos and like this cognitive dissonance that's, that's there's like, well, he's so hot and sexy and all these, all my girlfriends want to fuck him and he wants to fuck him, but he's still my boyfriend. He's still that ego association with a guy who's, a guy that other men want to be and other women want to fuck. Right. That's so true, true. And then uh, you also spoke about like music. I remember you talking about music, um, going back to the, uh, the, uh, the they live uh, once you mm -hmm. wake up. So I saw you try to, uh, you try to create some music that's a lot of uh, red pill based, right? Or uh, some other dudes. You try. 
tried for what, the last four, three albums, three, three EPs with my band. Um, no, I, we, I, I don't, I, I've for the band, I play in a band called trial of Ascension. We're a progressive. Okay. Okay. Um, nice. But I, um, but I, I try to keep that separate from, I mean, I, I will use my accounts to broadcast that we have a new EP. We do an EP every summer. So it's a four song EP that we do. We're on Spotify. Go look us up. It's trial of Ascension. Um, and yes, we have a female singer um, who's very good. And, uh, but I also, uh, invest money, let's just say in talent that I think is worthwhile. So for instance, I have, I, I don't just sit on my, as much to the, uh, much to the consternation of my haters, uh, I don't actually sit on my money like fucking Scrooge McDuck and go, yes, give me my money. And, you know, like I'm just counting my shekels or something like that. I take that money. And I invested into people I think are worthwhile. One of those is, of course, uh, Kevin Savo, Rocky Savo, uh, Mark Savo, the Savo brothers, who are independent filmmakers. They are also rappers, also very red pill. Uh, did, I they, did they make the uh, the mommies in the club? Yeah, video? mommies in the club. That's okay. Uh, I, I have a. I, by the way, I have a cameo appearance in that. I, I, yeah. I'm, okay. That's that's what that's what i saw when you were doing the the video with uh michaela pearson or on michaela pearson and yes. i was like dude this video is the, the music is so fire that is a red pill anthem if there ever was one and so, so funny so funny so that's the kind of stuff that i'll put my time and energy and money into i'll be happy to produce that or at least be somewhat you know but hey i'll financially throw money at you to make it happen if that's it i'll go and do a cameo uh, he also does a web series called Captain Save-A-Ho. Captain <laughs> Save-A-Ho, because you can't call it Captain. Um, and uh, I have a, a cameo appearance in that. And then after I did that, then, of course, Donovan Sharp says, hey, how do I get it? Uh, so I introduced Donovan in. He's in the in the one after me. Uh, Hotep Jesus was a cameo. Uh, Torsha was in one. Uh, who else? Not AMS, but uh, Lucario. Like a lot of the red pill kind of guys in the community you'd be surprised what that they can actually act. And so I was a villain in, and I love playing that part. It was awesome. But uh, I played a villain in that. And at the same shooting, that's when we did the thought mommies video. And uh, <laughs> so that's, that's one. Um, then the latest one I have been uh, sort of uh, nurturing along is Giovanni Sanders, who's a really good, very good musician. And he's a multi-talent red pill guy, met him on, Instagram, met him in person in Miami at the, the CME last May. Uh, we are in constant contact with each other. Um, and I used one of his songs. It was a demo song. I started using it as the sort of theme song for Access Vegas because I needed something that we that was recognizable. Uh, I am of the opinion, just like a good sitcom or just like a good show, you should all have a theme song for your podcast. Uh, so that when you hear that song, you know, oh, like if you hear the song to friends, like I'll be there for you, like they hear that, you know that that's the, fr you can hear that on the radio, but it's still the, it's the Rembrandts, right? It's, it's, mm. it's a theme song to friends, right? And then there's, there's other, there's movies that have like a soundtrack where you recognize the movie, the, the, the song, the movie by the music, right? Or you can hear the, the, the theme song to like Seinfeld. Or uh, we used to do this all the time. So I'm of the opinion that it's a good idea to have a theme song. So if you listen to my live stream, uh, 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern off every Sunday, um, I have uh, a theme song that I did. It's me. I, I'm like, because I don't want to pay for any kind of royalty music. And I'm better than anything that they have in royalty free. So I just did it myself. Um, and then... Um, 
And then I try to encourage talent that's from within the red pill. So Giovanni definitely qualifies as that. Uh, I love his stuff. It's very, uh, well, you can, you probably, he just released the song on Spotify on Valentine's day. It's called nice. the best head of my life. Um, <laughs> and it is very much red pill lyrics and it, he's, he's funny as hell. He can act. Actually, I kind of hope he would get into the, into, uh, the captain Sabo. But he's a very funny guy. He's very, and he's probably not much older than you. I think he's like in his mid twenties, maybe twenty four, twenty five, something like that. Nice. And very multi talent. Can play drums, bass, sings like nobody's business. Like a way excellent, excellent singer. Black guy who does metal, like kind of like, um, and if you know the band A Day to Remember, that, that kind of that style. And which blows me away. And he's just such a good dude. And I'm I'm proud to call him a friend. Um, so he did the theme song to Access Vegas. I've been used, I use it in my, our, our Instagram reels and I use it at the beginning of and ending of every one of our shows. So that's another like way that I use my money to sort of promote talent and people who I think are worthwhile. Torsh is another one. Uh, if I was to do a collaboration with Big Mo or something like that from Fresh and Fit, I'll probably do something. I don't, I do not mind putting money into worthwhile, t- you know, projects. Because this is what I, because I'm about this and it's, right. it's like, I want to see people who are also about this, get a, at least get a break of some kind. Cause if it only took them $500 to master a song here, 500 bucks, go do it, please. Oh, put your, I'll put your name on it. Okay, fine. But just go do it. Like get it out, you know? And so when like uh, when I, uh, you probably talked about money or something. I don't know with, with Justin or whatever, but there's, you know, there's a lot of guys who are the entrepreneur set of the red pill, which is fine. But my attitude towards money has always been like, it's a currency. And I mean that in a sense, like it's an electrical current. That's why we call money currency. Right. Mm. But it's, it's like, what can I do with this? I could sit on it and like, you know, have to, I take risks, right. I could sit on, I could put it into crypto. I could do whatever. Right. But I would rather put it into worthwhile, t- worthwhile projects that are going to have a more lasting impact than if I just let it sit in crypto or I let it sit in an investment or I just sit on the account my money. Right? Uh, I would rather be doing things with it because once I'm gone, I'm gone and I'm not taking all this money with me. And I hope I can help some other people out along the way who can like benefit from it. And so that's what I do. Nice. So musically anyways. And then I play in my own band. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> And have been for almost, well, three and a half years now. So, Awesome. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah, because uh, I was at uh, Pablo and Thomas's apartment because I was staying there when I visited Miami. Mm-hmm. And uh, I saw your guitar uh, in, the, oh, in the corner. Oh, yeah. My, uh, my, I've been to my acoustic. Yeah, my, my classical that's there. That's not there. Yeah, I was like, dude, this thing's sick. And they're like, yeah, it's Rolos. I'm like, no way. I was just listening to uh, the book on the plane over there. So, Yeah, I, cool. yeah I'll tell you fun, the funny story about that is I – went to Miami so many times in 2021. And then in 2022, I was in Miami from December of 2021, every single fucking month, all the way up to July, actually even August, all all the way up to August of last year, September, October, November, I, I, I I was traveling other places. And then December I'm, I'm back in, in Miami again and I can't go that long without practice i got to keep my chops up because i play in a band and i gotta like stay on top of my practicing and everything else so i'm like what am i gonna do so 
<laughs> so I bought that guitar and I had it delivered to Sterling. <laughs> so like, what the hell is this doing here? I'm like, just hang on to it for me. When, so when I get there, you bring it to me. So then I started passing it back and forth between like Tom and Pab- Pab- Pablo. So, yeah. And then, so they would take care of it for me. Pablo would bring it to, to the hotel for me. I'd play it and then I'd give it back to him before I jumped on the plane. Nice. Although I do have it now. So, okay. Yeah. I think, I don't know. I think uh, Justin told me Sterling is somewhere not in the country, but I think he's coming soon to California and then he's going to go to Vegas, which I think is, might be your show. He was already on my show not too long ago. Okay. So he might be doing another oh, show in I Vegas somewhere. Back again. I would love to come <laughs> back again. We had a great show with the girls, man. I yeah, watched. I, it. I donated. I donated. I, I I said something. I was like, I was like, oh, thanks Sterling for uh, saving me out of the uh, burning building. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was great, man. I I tell you the we were um the the show that was supposed to happen before that was when the AVNs were in Vegas, which is the Adult Video Network Expo or whatever. And we were mm-hmm. supposed to have. We literally had six porn stars like confirm for that show. Every one of them flaked. <laughs> like they that always do. Yeah. <sighs> And we're like, oh, we got to postpone it. We actually went down to the AVN to see if we could like rustle up some more girls. But I'll tell you what, when you have that many people in that, like in at an expo and the girls are making money hand over fist because they're all live streaming from the event too. You are not dragging them away from there. I'm yeah. <laughs> Lesson learned. No, but we, uh, on the, yeah, I just did a show pretty recently. Huh? Yeah. I hopped on a, on a, I did a show pretty recently on the, uh, whatever podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it was Super Bowl day, so like I think like six girls canceled. So all these chicks Were canceled. You on it? Were you on with, with Brian? I was. I just oh. yes, I just hopped on uh, last Sunday. That's right. Well, you're in a where you're in Orange County, so that's not too far. You're there in Santa. Yeah, Barbara. I drove. I drove uh, two hours to Santa Barbara, and then mm-hmm. uh, what's it called? Yeah, we I hopped on that show. Um, but yeah, it's pretty funny because my brother brought on the chick he met last night. So we were basically trying to uh, get girls because Brian was like, dude, all these girls are flaking. And I'm like, fuck. And it's like the day before. And I want to get, I want to make it a good show, obviously. So mm-hmm. me and Nathan are like, all right, we're going to hop on these dating apps and whatever girls we find, we're bringing them on the show tomorrow. And so we found some girls. Nathan ended up fucking one of them. And then he brought, him, brought her on the show, which was the best part because every single time she tried to say some shit we're like this yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> every single time she says some shit we're like still mm-hmm. hit he's still hit it is what it is <laughs> yeah i like brian i like brian well enough i don't think he is in any way red pill but um i think he's got he's on to something i think his show could be something he just needs a co-host he needs yes. like somebody because i like brian and he i'm not selling him out i've told him this in emails is like i think his delivery is kind of dry Still very blue pill, um, doesn't know enough about the red pill to be able to defend positions. And you know what? That's I'm not going to hold that against him per se, but I think he would do better with uh, a co-host who is like a little has a better delivery and then they can play off each other. I think that the show would explode if he could do that um, instead of just being solo there in a flannel shirt all the time. Yeah, I know. Um, no, he's he's definitely that's how it works man i gotta play the role when i'm on access vegas too i'm right in here i can be casual and i can talk and i can bullshit in the studio but like when i'm on vegas man there's an there's a different expectation on that show and so like and you're right like the santa barbara it's like he's in the perfect position for it because he can just get co-eds from ucsb right right but um after a while, you're gonna run out of prosecutor. I mean, you're gonna have to start, you know, recycling some of these girls, and maybe that's yeah. Okay. He, I told him, 
you got to come down to HB. You got to go to Miami. Yes. Like you have to, like you have to go to the, one of these places. Cause right. He even told me, he's like, dude, I'm struggling to find girls because mm -hmm. I'm known in Santa Barbara for being like a menace. I'm like, dude, that's, it's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, dude. Like, and no. he, and he's not even that like hardcore. Like you said, he's not even hardcore. Like I, I was way more hardcore on the show. I was just roasting these girls mm -hmm. and I'm going viral on TikTok right now. Cause I was just putting these girls on blast. I love and, it when I when I see like the guys from Value Team. Well, Jedediah, for example, who I love, I love her like a sister. Um, but she'll go and she'll take clips from whatever podcast and use them as like sort of like fodder for her own show. Mm. Can you believe it? She, you know, by the way, she is the. Uh, you know who Joan Rivers is, comedian. She is the Joan Rivers of the Red Pill. Like, can we talk? You know, it's like that 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 Boston accent. You know, it just whenever she gets like heated, it comes out. <laughs> it's funny <laughs> as hell. And I, it reminded me. You don't know who Joan Rivers. She's just an old comedian. She she is the Joan Rivers of the Red Pill right now. Um, but I love you, Jed. Um, but uh, yeah, so like what's funny to me is when she uses or other people do, too, they use clips of whatever podcast. And I think they pick it up because they look at Brian's like subs. Remember we were talking about subs earlier? Mm. Like, he's got three and a half million subs. Like, yeah, because his old format was like pranks. <laughs> it wasn't yeah. this. He got three and a half million off of doing this format. It was another format. And he's just changed up his format. So they, they look at the subs and they go, wow, he must be legit. Look, he's got three and a half million subs. Right. Well, hey, Fresh and Fit only have, what, a million two, right? <laughs> But no, they've been doing that niche for yeah. for the longest. Yeah, time. exactly. It's like they just they again they it's a vanity metric. They see the subs and they think it's legit. It's like no, he's only been doing this for like less than a year. Mm. <laughs> and if you go right. and you look at his live streams, he's if he has like eight hundred people in a live live stream, that's a good show for Brian. So, but people don't care. They just look at the subs and they go, "He must be legit." And you know, I think I think he has potential for sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I like him well enough. I think he has potential. I just think he needs to like sort of freshen it up with a co-host and do some, just a few, like the delivery needs to be different, I think. Right. Agreed. But it's definitely a pretty interesting and he's, he's pretty smart. Um, yeah. He's pretty chill. He's good at what he does. Um, I, does he own that place? Is that his, or does he rent that studio out? Because uh, he's it like it's a permanent installment there. He's on, he's on a lease. Hmm. For so like it's a, a year. so it's a is it a, a studio where they do other podcasts too or is it just no his? it's his like there's a room there's like a bedroom kitchen mm. all that stuff so he just does all that stuff in there I posted okay. on my on my YouTube channel like a, a full like little vlog behind the scenes mm -hmm. um which is pretty interesting but yeah see that's a, the thing I get is a you know you were asking about Pearl and the rest of these people is that format the fresh and fit format where you just have a table and you have this discussion and the girls come in and you, you start talking about red pill stuff or whatever i think a lot about guys think that it's the template that is making the show successful and it's not because there's a lot of other shows in miami right now there's like the uh the stunt or was it no the guy's name is stunt but it's called like we in miami podcast and you probably don't even know who the fuck i'm talking about because it's no. like gone now but it was a thing it was supposed to be a contender for fresh and fit it's it's completely destroyed it's it's the, the the guy i don't i think he pretty much gave up on it but um the the idea was let's get a bunch of girls around this table throw up some neon signs and and like pretend we're fresh and fit well the problem with the reason why it fails is not because of the template or it's not because of the format it's because he's not red pill he doesn't know anything does not know the material why is Myron so good at what he does it's because he's read my book and he's been a part of the red pill community for god knows how long 
you ask him to defend a point, he can defend the fucking point. Right. Yeah. You say, uh, you know, alpha, women break rules for alphas and make rules for betas. He will be able to tell you in great detail why that is. Most of these guys who think it's about the template, they don't know. Pearl doesn't know. Pearl's the same format. She's basically ripped off the same template for us. She's a ripoff artist. I mean, she ripped, not me, but she ripped, well, I guess a little bit, but like ripped off uh, Myron and Fresh. Like that's the mm. template, right? They were, by the way, that she's not the first to do this and and neither is Brian or any of these other like purple pill podcast in t- Texas, but it's the same concept. What these guys do is like, I remember when Howard Stern first came out with his radio show and he was wildly successful because he was Howard Stern. He was just being honest about shit. He was just speaking his mind and people liked that about him. It pissed off the networks, but it, they couldn't they couldn't argue with the results because he was so fucking popular, right? So what do you see? Uh, there's a new radio show in Chicago that is kind of like the, the you know, Howard Stern of Chicago. Then there's one in Miami. Then there's one in L.A. Then there's one. Like, so everybody takes that format and tries to use that template as the successful format. Some were better than others, but the problem is the only thing they were lacking, Howard Stern. <laughs> they didn't have the guy. that, that he was, He's the guy that actually did it. It wasn't so much the template as it was the guy behind it and the knowledge base behind it. I think the same thing happens right now in Red Pill podcasts that try to emulate the fresh and fit template. They just don't have the background. That's why they fail. That's why they're like pale imitations of fresh and fit. Right. Yeah, I definitely, definitely see that for sure. Um, You better know your shit. You better know your stuff because somebody will call you on it and you won't be able to talk about it. And that will be the end of your show. Yeah, you'll, I think you should do a reaction to uh, when I was on on his podcast. I think maybe oh, if you uh, when was it? Yeah, if, how long ago was it? It was a uh, Sunday. It was the one where the girl made forty k selling feet pics. Oh, really? <laughs> you know what's funny is I was doing like the last show of Access Vegas. I was on there. Let's see who was with us. Uh, oh, oh, oh! What was her name? Brandy Andrews or something? I mean, she's just a fucking hammer. I mean, just absolutely stunningly gorgeous. And then I had Onyx was on there, or, or Domo. She goes by Onyx. Her porn name is Onyx. She's a, a legitimate porn star. Like, I, I met up with her at, at AVN. She was on the show once before. She was actually our first girl that we've had on uh, for a second time. A single mommy, 32. Good looking, but, man, she is, like, she's a porn star. Uh, after the show, after the show was over, <laughs> they were talking about how much money they were making off of OnlyFans. I'm like, fuck, man, how, how can I make money off of OnlyFans? <laughs> <Right? laughs> and on, or, or Domo looks at me, she's just like deadpan. She's like, we're sell feet pics. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> like, my feet? Like, yeah, guys will pay for your feet, too. I'm like, oh, my God. Wild, wild. I might do it just on principle. <laughs> yeah, Sterling Sterling might know. I don't know. <laughs> Sterling, might. Sterling could do an OnlyFans to get paid for it. You know what's funny is the guys who get make money off of OnlyFans, they're either fucking their wife on OnlyFans or they're selling like gay dick pics on OnlyFans. That's how you make it as a guy. Yeah. You can't do it any other way. Yeah. <laughs> you can't do it solo. That's the damn true. Oh, so good. Yeah, yeah. no, that, that the show we did was is pretty funny because um that dude there's some wild looking chicks on there some do you have fat... to like, now um, brian's probably going to see this because you've been on so he's definitely going to watch this so yeah yeah 
Is there a requirement to like wear a costume on whatever podcast? <laughs> because every time I go on there, it's like the price is right. I don't know if you remember that old fucking game show, but you used to have to wear a costume on the price is right. So you had to dress up as some character. No, so he has like, he has like 20 anime costumes for girls to put on. And he's like, oh, so he, he has them to give. Dude. <laughs> Whoa. I did not know that. <laughs> that is new revelation for all of us. I did really. So he has Bro. like. Bro, you have to watch have the to live me. stream. You yeah, have to watch. And you have to be Asuka today. And let's see, what should you be? <laughs> it was I was like, I can't tell if it's if it's actually battle angel. Here you go. <laughs> no, I couldn't tell if it like, okay, is this guy like just doing this for fun? <laughs> yeah, I was like, what is I can't tell if it's serious or not. Like I could not tell. I was like, what is happening right now? Yeah, so they dress up in those costumes that he gives them or they do they show up like that? He definitely was offering a lot of the girls if they wanted to wear these costumes and he was like, Hey, you wanna you wanna put on this costume on this costume? Like some anime shit and I was like me and Nathan just kept looking at each other like what the fuck is happening right now? <laughs> Brian, why do you have these here? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little concerned. I, I mean, he has a sex doll too, but I don't know if that's just part of the show, but it's pretty funny. It's always sitting there too. I know. I don't know if that's part of the shtick. I hope it's part of the show. Or it's part of the, it's part of the gimmick because I don't like the other option. Oh my God. Yeah. The, the doll with the blue hair. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. That he just sits that in like the open chair. If they live missing a girl, he just puts a doll right there. Yeah, all the girls are playing with its boobs and shit. They're like, feel, come feel, come feel. I'm like, no, I'm good. I don't want to touch it. I'm good. Like, did you buy this for the show? Or did you Not, have it before the show and you wanted to include it? In it the was, show? it's definitely used and abused. I'm going to like define our relationship. <laughs> it was, the doll is definitely used and abused. I don't know if it's from used and abused from Brian, but it's definitely used up. <laughs> wow. I think, I think maybe just the question mark that that doll presents is enough to like be like, where am I? <laughs> Why am I yeah. here? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, it was I, so long. It was like five hours long. And I was like, there's no way we're sitting here. Yeah, for five hours. that's another thing. Uh, and I've learned this. Uh, actually, Mike and I have like we after every show, we take notes. We like um, compare notes. So, right. For instance, our, our earlier shows our first like two or three. We were going like two hours. We're going or I should say three hours, almost four hours, like three and a half, I think, is the longest show we did. And I'm like, we got to We got to tighten it up, man. We, we can't go more than two and a half, two and a half max. Uh, we went a little bit over that with Sterling because Sterling was <laughs> the girls were drunk and he was drunk too, and they so they didn't care they were gone. But um, but usually the girls start to fade after two hours and like yeah. they're they're yeah. done they finish they want to go party at Zook or whatever right. So we figured the sweet spot is right about two hours. If we can finish at two hours or like two and a half, we're we're golden. Right. But you go over that. It's not even so much that I don't even worry about so much the audience. The audience will stick around and like like throw turds at the freaking girls in the chat, anyways. But uh, but I think it's like it's sort of like there's a sweet spot right there. I, I and again, it's and this is something maybe in fresh and fit can learn from. I'm not saying you know limit your show to two hours, but like for us right now, we don't farm super chats because we're not popular enough to be farming super chats off of our shows. But uh, I think that after a while, like if you go four or five hours, like Brian's, dude, the chicks got fucking things to do, you know? Well, yeah, the girls, the girls and I just kept looking at each other. We're like, just looking at her brain dead. We're like, holy shit. And cause it was like going till 1am. They do, then it seems like they're, they're having an attitude. 
Yeah, and so they would just agree at the like the last two hours. They just agree on everything just to get it over with. Like, yep, yeah, yep, yeah. yeah you gotta, like, you're at the point of diminishing returns after two hours for sure. So, like, yeah. and I think that's something that, that that well we had to learn. The other thing is, there's we've also learned this, and I actually picked this up from Myron and Fresh. But then, like when we start doing it, there's always the one girl. There's that girl. That girl is the girl who sucks the oxygen out of the room. Right. She's the one who's like, oh, yeah. And she like over talks and it speaks at like 10 decibels louder than any other girl at the table. Right. That's that girl. She's the one who always has to get, the, she has to have the last fucking word. And she's has to speak like, like I said, 10 decibels louder than any of the other girls. And she's always got an opinion on something. And I, I encourage that. But we have to, we have to, I like now that we know, we identify that girl like as soon as like she's sitting at the table and go, okay. Look at each White other. Castle. That's the one, right? Kick her off. Kick her that's, off. Girl, well, we don't we, see. We don't kick girls off. That's our like. We started this out saying that's not the point of this show. We we're we right. don't do a Frank Castle. We don't do any of that shit. We want to have a real conversation. And again, we don't have. I think another mistake. I don't say a mistake. I understand why Myron and Fresh do it, but like they have like up to like twelve girls. I have seen like fifteen girls in that in that so studio. wild. They'll put so it on a couch. They had the couch set up there so it could fit more girls, more asses in the in the seat right there. So they got like almost 10 girls, maybe 12 girls at the table. And then they've got the girls that are at the at the couch as well. And the reason they do that is because the potential for kicking one of them off is way higher than the more girls that are actually there, right? Mm-hmm. And more girls want to be on now because it's popular. Everybody knows about it. And they want to get their Instagram and OnlyFans and everything Loud. advertised on a big platform like that. I get it. It doesn't really, it's not really the best, you know, way to get to a really good conversation. At least that's one of the things like Mike and I were talking about when we first started doing the show was we don't, you know, the point is not to kick any of these girls off because Mike knows all of them. Right. And now we're getting to the point where girls are trying to get on this. Like they, they're asking us to be on the show, which is great. We wanted to get to that point, but, um, but the point is not to, it's to have a good conversation and an argument and a debate if so. It's not to like kick anybody off. And I think that having fewer girls on there really contributes to that. There's still going to be the one girl, <laughs> but, uh, but it's, it makes for a better show. I think. Uh, so when people like, you know, throw hate at me and say, Oh, you're trying to be like fresh and fit. And no, because we want, we're actually having a more, I think it's more concentrated, a concentrated discussion rather than like, just like, like you're a bitch, you're a bitch, you're a bitch. Let me tell you why. You're like accountable, 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 accountable. That's not the point of the show. It's oh not yeah, it's, it's such a waste of time. We do in the course of the discussion, but it's it's not meant to like, hey, we're gonna get together and we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna roast these girls. That's not the but like we know it's gonna happen in the chat, but yeah. that's something we're gonna show. Mm, I see, and you're, you're like that with as well with. Uh, uh, maybe other dudes who d- disagree, you're willing to have a conversation with them. Absolutely. Especially this year too. So people want to, people want to fight. Let's fight. You want to come and do it. Let's do it. Don't call it a debate. Call it a conversation. Mm-hmm. And if you want to call it a debate, you better have two to three topics that we're going to debate. And we're going to stick to, and we got times, time limits. Right. I see. So I was telling, uh, I was telling Jedediah and, and back when I thought Adam Sosnick was worth a shit. Uh, that if I was ever going to go debate, like say Destiny or Ruslan or any of these other guys who hate me, like we're going to have, if you want to have, if you're going to call it a debate, then I need a moderator there. I need to know the two to three topics we're supposed to talk about so I can prepare for those. And we need a chess timer. 
<laughs> because if we don't have a timer, you'll just get like guys like Hafiz who'll just yammer and yammer and try to talk over you to run the clock out. Mm. That's not how a debate works. If you go and you look at like, say, like the, the the House of Representatives and Congress or the Senate, right? You have a certain amount of time to make your point and get the fuck off so somebody can give you a rebuttal or whatever else, or you can surrender your time to somebody else who may be on your side, right? Mm. That's how debate works, really. <laughs> That's formal, logical debate team debate. So if you're going to call right. it a debate, fine. You want to call it a conversation like, hey, we want to have you in here so we can tell you how much we hate you. Oh, I'll do that too. But just just tell me that that's what we're doing and then I'll be a ball show up. So tell me what you want to do. Yeah, I actually enjoyed the uh, the Michaela Peterson one for sure. It was because it was interesting because I was like, dude, this girl got her cheeks clapped by Andrew. Like, that's yeah, the thing. Well, absolutely. She did. It's, and it's even <laughs> more apparent now than ever before. Because you tell as she is so quick. And by the way, she runs her dad's account. She I call her Jorkayla Peterson because she's basically Jordan Peterson and Michaela. And so, like, when I see tweets and stuff coming from from his account, I'm like, hi, 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 Michaela, you know. But, uh, yeah, the, the more <laughs> whenever there's something in the news, like something that's really a hot topic, she tweets for her dad. She sock puppets her dad. And she's just Johnny on the spot because she wants to be relevant immediately. Have except you talked to Jordan Peterson? When it's Andrew Tate, except for when it's Andrew Tate. And you know she's just like, oh, I really want to I really want to get into this discussion, but she can't because the moment she does, people are gonna go, Yeah, remember that time you guys fucked in Romania? <laughs> like somebody's <laughs> gonna say something like that. She knows she can't do that. The silence is deafening. <laughs> no, it, it was so funny because my dad was talking about Jordan Peterson. I'm like, you know, Andrew Tate clapped her cheeks. He's like, No way. I'm like, look at this picture. He's like, oh, yeah, he clapped her cheeks. I'm like, yeah. Well, <laughs> but then it, just discussing business. And I'll tell you what's funny is like when I go back and I review, I don't know why she keeps that that up now, because there are some very fucking incriminating things she said. Oh, so right funny. New developments. <laughs> so funny. We're having the conversation. That was really what she wanted to do. She wanted to clear the air. This is not what really happened, right? I'm like, okay, tell us what happened, right? She says that, that Andrew Tate, flew her out from Germany or wherever the fuck she was in Europe. I don't know where she was. She was like kind of a little nondescript about that. It was in 2019. By the way, same time that Andrew Tate was also fucking Lauren Southern confirmed. Got that one confirmed too. She don't want to say jack shit about Andrew Tate because she was fucking Andrew Tate because he flew her out and most likely before he realized she's Lauren Southern probably tried to get her into the, into the business, right? So when I was talking to Michaela, I'm like, you know what he, I, I literally said this quote, you know what he did, right? You know what he does? Oh yeah, I knew we were just there to talk about business and a pay setting up a paywall. And like you had to fly to Romania to have that conversation. <laughs> I know it's like, there's just so many inconsistencies there. And I was like, and now that I know now, I mean, I've, I had my suspicions about the money laundering thing for a very long time, but the whole thing about like the, the sex trafficking and the the cam girls, like he's very, he's been very open and upfront about cam girling forever from as yes. far back as like 2016, 2017, when yes. I was viewing him, he was like, that's how I make money. Right. Well, he makes it in different ways as well. We find out. But when that was going down, I said, I said in that interview, I said, you know what he does, right? You know what he does for money. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, I understood. I was just there to discuss business and how to like set up a paywall and all. I'm like, in a 
black cocktail dress. If I was to have a business meeting with you, and I flew you out here to Reno, Nevada, would you wear a black cocktail dress to our, to our business meeting? Can uh, I put my hand on your ass when we're and take pictures of you when we're at our business meeting? I, I, I didn't say that, but like, I mean, that's and she's the, married now too, right? Yeah, she's remarried anyways. She's a, she was a, a single mommy back in the day, but uh, really, I think that the reason why she wanted to have that discussion with me was to sort of like uh, to to cover her ass because she knew she was getting married soon. And yes. uh, I, I tell you, the thing is, I have three like when you look at those pictures, there's two sets of pictures. If you go and Google Michaela Peterson, Andrew, yes. Tate, you'll find yes. two, two sets of pictures. One will be the one where she's like has the she's like he's smoking something and she's in this. She's got a white midriff on and she's got some kind of thing in her. She's got the lipstick on. She's got the makeup on. Her hair's done. You look at the second one. She's in the just the black cocktail dress, no makeup on. The, the, the that stereotypical red ass, you know, uh, you know, lipstick gone. Hair is in no way as nice as it was. <laughs> I guess she did not do her hair for whatever reason for that shot. And she, and I I showed. God damn it. I showed, I'm not going to name who, uh, who this is. I showed this to a, a girl that I know that's in sort of the, the sphere, right? She goes, that girl has the freshly fucked look. <laughs> she has the after, she has the afterglow where right? I was like, mm-hmm. I said, there was a costume change at some point too, because she's now in the cocktail dress, no makeup on, like certainly the, the lipstick's gone. And she has a much different expression on her face. Like even the eyeliner is gone too. I'm like, something had, there was a costume change here. Yeah, the simps the simps will believe what she says. Those are yeah, of course they will. The, the fan fanboys, fangirls will always say that. But here's the other thing: there's another picture that I have that no one else has. <laughs> I put it up. It's not, you'll find it on my Twitter. If you go look through my media on my Twitter, you'll find it. Mm -hmm. But it's a picture of Andrew and Michaela at Andrew's house at his compound on the couch. She's in the same outfit with the same makeup on. So it must've been earlier on and he's got an ax, like one of those throwing axes, you know, for like, you know, like a, like a mini ax kind of thing in his hand. It's the funniest picture in the world, but I was looking at the, I was looking at her and looking, okay, so she's got the makeup on her hair's different. Um, so I'm looking at like the consistencies of one picture to another. She was at his compound. She was at the place. She, it's not like she met him at some neutral place. She was there and she had to have known what was going on. If she is questioned or pressed on that right now, I guarantee you she will she will duck and hide and avoid as much as she possibly can right now. She does not want that association whatsoever. That's why she's kind of chomping at the bit because he's in the news. And so for me, like a, a young dude, like just looking at, because like, I'm not a major fan of Jordan Peterson or anything, but um, looking at like what he used to say, which was pretty good stuff, now hearing and understanding this information, it kind of makes me question like, okay, what kind of father is he to like raise a, a chick who does these sort of things? Oh, it's worse than that. Dude. It's like, so there's, there's that aspect. You got to remember that when all that was going down, her dad is rehabbing in Russia, right? He's, he's trying to get, he's trying to rehab off of benzo, benzodiazepine at that time. So she's, having business discussions and black cocktail dresses with a, with Andrew Tate in Romania at the same time, all this is going down. And by the way, she's on a break from her husband and her, let's say four or five year old daughter at that time too. That's Jeez. why I brought her up in the kill to party episode. And that's what she was so upset about. And of course, since then she has essentially proved every point I made 
in that video and in our interview. I mean, like point for point for point. And like no one wants to talk about that shit. So anyways, and, and so people keep thinking, oh, Rolo has such a fixation on Michaela Peterson. Like I do not have a fixation on Michaela Peterson, but I can't get away from this shit because people will go, do you see what she did now? Yeah, yes. I mean, it's it's crazy. Especially, uh, now, especially now that they're in a Romanian jail. So, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, the fact that she uh, posts on her story looking for a babysitter was wild. Oh, and, and and by the way, wild. Multiple, multiple times, still is. As recently as like, I want to say like January, she was posting because she's always looking for a nanny, a live-in nanny. She's always, essentially what she's trying to do is outsource being a mother. And she's been doing that really for at least the last year. And if that doesn't confirm everything I said about her in Kill to Party, I don't know what, how, what else, to, I don't know how many different ways I got to say it. Right. And that's why I had a problem with her, especially when she started. It was one thing if she's going to like put out a, a, you know, a request for somebody to come and watch her kid. It's another thing if she's going and putting like for a nanny, like a live in nanny, like a real position. Right. It's another thing when she's like visiting Miami, sitting poolside and requesting or trying to put out a petition to her, her Instagram followers of somebody in Miami to watch the kid while they go party in fucking Miami. That's where I had a real problem. Like, where's your fucking dad? And, and as if that's not enough, well, how come Jordan Fuller, your new husband, isn't isn't like curbing this shit? And what about the baby daddy? Where is he? So we got Andre, we got Jordan, and we got Jordan Peterson. I'm like, because if you were my daughter, I would slap you upside the head for even suggesting that with my granddaughter. Fuck you. Are you kidding? That's wild. And she's put and literally she's putting out videos trying to say, I don't see why it's such a big deal. I have the videos. Oh, I have the videos. I, I, I knew I would download those things. She's sitting poolside going, it's not like I would just give her to anybody. I'm like, you're petitioning your fucking Instagram followers. If the kid got abducted, I would feel bad. So, of course, what I said, I happened to be in Miami that weekend when she was trying to get somebody to do it. So I said, Michaela bring her to panorama towers at 9 a.m i will take her i will show her a great time we'll go deep sea fishing this kid will never forget this day she will have the best time with old uncle rollo just bring her on by of course she never did but but i did that you know i was I'm, i was serious too i would have done it if she would have done it, i would have been right there i would have picked up the kid and said let's go and we would have gone and had good old fucking time. We would have got a hero. We would have got freshest dog, and we would have went. We would have go go run around the beach or some shit like that. I would have had a great time. But nice. of course, I did that just to <clears throat> right. It's like you, you, like your dad is Jordan fucking Peterson, and how come he's not stepping in? How come Grandpa's not stepping in? How come your new husband's not stepping in? How come your baby daddy's not stepping in? Because if I was any one of those guys, I would have slapped you upside the head for even suggesting that with my kid. Fuck have you me. talked to uh, Jordan Peterson yet? No, I highly doubt that'll ever happen. <laughs> no, especially after Dr. Phil. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm not too optimistic about that. He don't like me because I call him out on his bullshit, not on his daughter's bullshit. Yeah, I tell you what kills me is like he, like back in like 2018, like when he was at the apex of his popularity, he would go on show after show after show and talk about how women uh, trade their careers for motherhood for careers and everything. It's like so hypocritical. Exactly what McCain is doing. doing. It's so there's weird. No, there's, you're, there's no conversation there. Like literally, 
your 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 very your daughter and your granddaughter, by the way, are living examples of everything you have said that to the contrary of what she's doing. How does that gel? I would that be the, if I ever got on a show with him, or hell, if I even went to go see him and I got on a Q and A, that would be the first thing out of my fucking mouth. Yeah, it's difficult. Mother, like, bad fucking mom. I see how like it could be like your sister who does those things, and you'd be like, "Hey, my sister, I don't agree with anything, any of the shit that she does." Kind of like Andrew's mm-hmm. sister. He's like, "Yeah, she's brainwashed. Mm-hmm. I don't agree with anything she does." But when it's in, when it's your own daughter, it's kind of it goes. It's wrong either way. So it could be Where's like. It's worse yeah, than it's, that. It's your daughter that runs your social media and runs your fucking show. Yeah. I mean, even if the fact that he was like, um, oh yeah, like I, I don't I don't want to associate with my own daughter, that's still bad. You know, so it's like it's not like it's your own daughter. That's the that's that's the thing. He's like in a position where it's like he's fucked either way. Where it's like Yeah, I mean he can't he can't talk about it. And and God forbid anybody like actually call him on it. I I love it. I I was just criticizing PBD for his like shenanigans with uh Jason Whitlock and Roland Martin recently. And then one of the things that like when Jason was like leaving because he there was a complete setup. Jason's leaving and he says to PBD, he says, You wouldn't do this with Jordan Peterson. And I was thinking about that. I go, he's right. He wouldn't do that with Jordan Peterson. He wouldn't dare like if he would do that because if he wanted to really get engagement, he would try some some bullshit with like not telling Jordan Peterson that Roll Tomasi's going to be there, and then we that'd get be to get so awesome. It's like five, yeah, that'd be awesome. You know why he won't do that? Because the first thing out of my mouth is your daughter is a bad mom and you're a bad grandfather, and you're full of shit because everything you said back in 2018 about like single moms and professional women and careerist women and and sacrificing family for fucking career. Your daughter is a living, walking, breathing example of that. What do you have to yes. say? That'd be the first thing out of my mouth. And he knows that. And they, they, that's why that'll never happen. <laughs> Actually, I think even before I saw uh, pictures of her and Andrew, I saw pictures of her posting like lingerie on her Instagram. I was like, what the heck? Oh, is God, this? are you kidding? Yeah, of course. Yeah. I she's, was like, what? Well, the, that's why I used her as an example of killed the party. The, the, her daughter was a hindrance and probably still is kind of to her lifestyle. And I'll, I'll tell you right now, I don't have too much. I, I honestly, I mean, I don't want to take bets, but I would say you want the under over. I would say her marriage to this Jordan Fuller guy is probably not going to last more than three more years. Well, she's definitely because, cheating on him. <laughs> well, maybe. Um, but I and the and I you know and I I kind of like Jordan well enough that the Jordan Fuller the, the, she marries a guy with the same name as her dad. Nothing weird about that. That's none of my business. (laughs) Um, But uh, yeah, so because in every single like Instagram or tweet or anything, whenever she's like interacting with him on social media, like she is just she just beats him down. Like, and I don't mean like like she 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 kind of low key like disses him constantly. Yeah. And he's like, I got I got pictures of him where he's just like he's just dead straight faced and everything. And I don't think he's enjoying himself. I think cool. he's probably just an accessory for her. And she and he runs the show. Like he does a lot of the technical aspect and he's basically given up his entire like social media and uh uh his his channel, you know, uh for working for the Petersons. And why wouldn't he? He's probably making a money hand over fist, but it's like, I don't know how much longer he's going to be able to suffer through that indignation because it certainly looks like she's low-key disrespecting him in like damn near every single exchange they have online. So, 
Andrew not... Tate would never. Andrew Tate would never let me disrespect him. No, 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 no of course not. Well, you, you know who Leia Heilpern is? Uh, I saw her in Miami. I met her in Miami. Yeah. Wild, wild. I did a show with her too. She's, she is um, a zealot. This, this <laughs> is actually is, where I started her first. She's alpha widowed is what she is. She's alpha widowed by, by a two hour podcast she did over a year ago with Andrew with Tate. Andrew Tate. Yep. And now she can't get enough. And I'll tell you what kills me is like, she'll go on like Pierce Morgan or she'll go on like some BBC channel. And she's like the foremost leading expert on Andrew Tate. And it's like, you sat with him for two fucking hours. And by the way, Heilpern, another girl flowed out, flewed out by Andrew Tate. And again, I think like Andrew had a very bad habit of like flying out chicks that he probably thought had potential to be cam girls. And then they end up being like, Michaela Peterson <laughs> or, or Lauren, Lauren Southern or, or Leah Heilpern, right? Like, Oh, I can't use her. She's too well known. <laughs> I would be very surprised. But again, it's not like Lauren Southern, Michaela Peterson and Leah Heilpern didn't know what the fuck he does. Yeah. Still went. So, you know, and I get the appeal. I understand the the, the magnetism, the machismo that is Andrew Tate. So, yeah, I mean, guys who understand, like, women, uh, male and female dynamics, like, I could just look and be like, they definitely fucked. Like, that's oh, yeah. it. Like, oh, it's like, no, without a doubt, it's like, you know, what this chick is, says? Of course, he, every time he's, he's been on my show, he's been on uh, Fresh and Fit, we uh, we press him on that. He's like, nah, she's a nice girl. We just sit and talk. And we that's what gentlemen do. That's, that's, that's the, the game. He tries it because he knows that if he said anything about that shit, that that would be bad press on her, and then there might be some repercussions as a result of that. I'm I'm, I'm fairly convinced they fucked. I can't prove it, but I can prove the costume change, and I can prove the fact that she had makeup on in one picture, and her hair was a whole lot disheveled and and no makeup on, and the freshly fucked afterglow in the other picture. You know, oh, you're reading too much into this, Rolo. Mm, yeah, I probably am, but maybe not. Probably not. I think I think it's pretty fucking funny. I'm not saying they fucked, but they fucked. <laughs> she got rizzed. She got rizzed. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, I would also say this is like if they didn't fuck, she would have had a lot more things to say about it now, about him now. She'd be a, a much greater defender of him now because in doing so she brings more like attention to her brand and the mm. fact that she's completely dead ass silent on it mm, yeah they probably fucked <laughs> yep no i i definitely because i we were actually walking on the street and we saw uh leia right is leia or the hopper yeah so we saw her walking on the street we talked to her she would be down there yeah dms like texting him all day long and shit i'm like bro this is so funny and that's when i started to be like all these red pill chicks are like super like low key. They're either, either hoes or they're just, they're just weird. Well, okay. So this is no secret. So I, I don't think you have to cut this part out. She used to date Zuby. She used to be Zuby's girlfriend. Who's Zuby? Zuby is the, he's the black Christian. Well, I guess he's Christian. He's a positive faith-based, let's just say uh rapper. He's also a positivity dude. He's very, he's a very well-known Zuby Z-U-B-Y. Go mm. look him up. You, you'll understand everything you need to know about Zuby. Just look at his brand. Okay, I've um, seen him, yeah. 
fit. He's a, he's a good dude. I count him as a friend. I think he's a good dude, right? But I get what he does. He doesn't swear. He's very straight-laced. He's very Christian. He's very, like, he doesn't say he's Christian, but he's Christian. Um, and he's very conservative. He's gone to, like, the the PACs. He's gone to, what, Turning Point USA. Uh, mm-hmm. Very much involved in the sort of the tradcon scene. But he's also kind of in the red pill scene a little bit. But he used to date Leah Heilpern for a while. That all ended the day after the interview with Andrew Tate. You connect the dots. <laughs> That's awesome. Hell yeah. yeah. Now, poor Zuby. I love Zuby. He doesn't deserve this shit. But, <laughs> but that ought to tell you all you need to know about Leah. <laughs> and I'm out and canceled. <laughs> yep. Deal. All right. See you, Roll. Thank you. Okay. See you. Bye.